Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at UH1.com. It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. Connecting to the big show. In three, two, one. I saw a father saying goodbye to his child with a profound disability yesterday. It really is harrowing. It's so important that people who have a large following are aware of the impact they can have in the messaging that they put out. The lack of communication to their customers is terrible, you know, and I'm embarrassed by it. We're the one for Cork and ready to talk. Can we just talk? Call 0818 96 96 96. Text or WhatsApp 083 396 96 96. Email opinion at 96fm.ie. The lines are live. Let's kickstart the conversation. This is the Opinion Line with PJ Coogan. On Cork's 96FM. Right, we're in serious trouble on the WhatsApp front this morning. It seems to be a global outage of the damn thing. Nice of them to do that to us. Just we're about to go on the air with a big talk show. Nice of them to goose up WhatsApp on us. It is a bit goosed so far, so if you're trying to contact us, go back to the old school. Go back to the other side of the phone and use a good old-fashioned text at 083 396 or just pick up the phone Give me a call at 0818 96 96 96. We'll monitor the situation as we go through the morning. If there's any move on WhatsApp, we will let you know. But at the moment, WhatsApp is goosed. Not just here, but everywhere. Fergal wanders into me about quarter past eight. We do these tests in the morning to make sure our WhatsApp system is working for the show. He came to me about a quarter past eight and asked me to log in from my computer to see could I get it going. Not a dicky board. It's all down. It's all down. So WhatsApp is goose. If it's not working for you this morning, it's not working for anybody. It's not that you didn't pay a bill or you didn't do anything like that, so don't worry about it. But go back to the old school for a while at least. Texting 083 396 9696. Morning to you. Two big stories that jump out of the news today. Um, one of them is the it's front page news. Now, Helen McEntee has been talking about this for a while, changing the pub opening hours. It's not like she's telling all the pubs they have to stay open until half twelve, or not like telling everybody that they have to stay out drinking until 5 a.m. No. Here's my tuppence worth. This is dragging the Irish licensing laws into the 21st century, kicking and screaming. That's what she's doing. I don't see anything wrong with any of this. Some people will argue against that, and that's why I'd like to hear from you at 0818 96 96 96. The pubs will be able to open from half ten in the morning 
to half twelve at night, seven days a week. There'll be no more uh, going down and getting chucked out at 11 o'clock on a Sunday. Uh, late night pubs will be able to stay open till half two. I think that's seven nights a week as well, if they should so desire, if they have a late licence. And your nightclubs, they can stay open till six o'clock. There's no one saying they have to stay open till six o'clock and they'll stop serving at five. That's all she's doing. And I'm just going to throw it out there for what I think it's worth. This is just dragging our licensing laws into the 21st century. Because if you've travelled a bit and you've had the chance to go across Europe a little bit, you'll see we've got some of the most restrictive licensing laws in the EU. So why not drag them kicking and screaming into the 21st century? You might disagree with me and there's 101 reasons why somebody might, but I'd love to know why. 0818-969696. There's another story in the news this morning. And it's irking me a little, just a little, and I'm going to throw it out there. It's the kind of question that is going around the inside of my head. It is right that they had that emergency meeting last night to sort out housing and accommodation for the Ukrainian refugees. It is right that we keep taking in as many as we possibly can. It is right that we find somewhere somewhere for them to stay when they come here, running away from the war. It is absolutely right. But I'd just like to know, when was the last time half the cabinet had an emergency meeting to try to find a place for the chap I walked past, the two or three chaps I walked past this morning on my stroll up from getting the bus to town? When was the last time the government had half the cabinet meet in an almost emergency session to get a bed for them poor buggers for the night, you know? Just a thought. Just a thought. 0818 96 96 96. You know that wonderful, wonderful artwork to do with the housing crisis? Talk about drawing two things together. To do with the housing crisis. And I spoke to Asbestos, for that is how he is known, uh, when he did done. And when people were standing there going, wow, what a statement on our housing crisis and how it affects people. Asbestos is not happy because that particular artwork has turned up on the Taoiseach's TikTok. And he didn't ask permission or neither did Fianna Foil, as far as anybody can gather. Asbestos, good morning. Good morning. Yes. Uh, no, well, he hasn't asked permission uh, uh, for to use this. Uh, he's used a new number of images. Uh, there's several images in this uh, clip. Uh, I would ask the question, has he asked any permission for any of the creators? So it would be interesting to hear what his team say about that. He certainly hasn't asked me. Uh, loads of people have asked me today and over the last few months and last year to either use images of the mask or photos of it and um, more often than not I'm more than happy to to let people use it because they're using it for a social cause to highlight the housing problem. His team have not been in contact, he has not been in contact and not just that, he, the it's not just using my mural, he's also used a photograph that I took that I clarified is my photograph which is copyright infringement. It's copyright infringement to use my image or the image of my mural uh, without my permission. And it's copyright infringement to use my photo without my permission. So um, it just feels as if it's a, a a blunt move by a politician who isn't paying attention to what's around him and feels he can kind of use people's content uh, for his purposes, uh, which is
which is, 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 is upsetting and the arts is suffering dramatically in this housing crisis. So um, we're, we're, we're certainly not earning a fortune out of it and uh, he's he, he is the Taoiseach of the country and he is responsible for, for this crisis. The artwork is in a public place, on a public and publicly accessible. So if I want yes. to take a photograph of it and use it on my social media, am I not entitled to do so? You certainly are, because that's for purpose, uh, for personal uh, usage. So there's no problem. And thousands and hundreds of people have taken photographs of it and shared it. And I have no problem with that because that's for personal use. He is a, he is a public figure. He is effectively saying that I endorse his campaign by doing this. Also, he is, Fianna Fáil, if I'm not mistaken, are a registered company. So he is using it for his he, his his gain and his for his a purpose he didn't put it in there because he randomly picked an image he put it in there because it was an image of cork and it's an image that has a meaning to it so um when it comes to and i've asked uh, for for this opinion from a legal perspective he has to get permission and i and i have worked on campaigns um well not necessarily political endorsements of mm-hmm. party campaigns but i have worked uh, in this capacity before and you have to get permission and it's the right thing to do as well let's go into for those who wouldn't be familiar with the sentiments behind the artwork originally in, in your statement you say look this goes entirely against the sentiment even if i had approved it kind of thing <laughs> it goes entirely against the sentiment of the artwork it does. The, the artwork is about an open conversation about the housing crisis, the housing crisis that is homelessness, which is at its worst level, uh, if I'm not mistaken. Um, it's impossible for people to rent. It's massively difficult for people to buy. Um, we have a, a situation that uh, Ukrainian refugees are unable to find accommodation and people are begging to find uh, accommodation for them. So this is a crisis and his party and Fianna Fáil and Fianna Gael have been in power for an awful long time in this country. Uh, they have to be some responsibility and him using a mural that is talking about this crisis is is a little bit uh, tone deaf uh, and it, those are not my words those are the words of people commenting on my post you have asked him to do a number of things one being yes. to remove it from his social media what else that'd be great I'd like him to remove it. I'd also like him to apologise for um, using it without my permission uh, because so many people have asked me. Literally, the moment I put the post up, uh, a woman asked me, would it be okay for her to recreate the mask for a uh, a march on Thursday? So remember, the public understands that it's the right thing to do is to ask. It's actually the legal thing to do from his perspective. But for their perspective, they could actually do it. It wouldn't necessarily be a, a, a big issue. But when it comes to a politician using it, they have a responsibility and he he ignored that. I have asked for um, recompense for for remuneration. That would that's probably not going to happen. But he is supposed to pay for usage of photographs and usage of of artworks. I would give that to a charity in Cork uh, dealing with either housing or or homelessness. So you do want him to compensate you. It's not the be all and the end all in this. It's actually for me. It's about taking down and the fact that he is he feels like he's endorsing it. But every every piece of content there is a, an agreement when it's used in the commercial purposes, and he's using it commercially. So uh, he has to come to an agreement. If I wanted to give it to him for free, that would be fine. But he hasn't asked about uh, whether it should be or shouldn't be. And there's a long history of um, yeah. of this happening. And just to clarify, asbestos, the Taoiseach himself didn't personally ask you did anybody approach you or any agent of yours 
from Fianna Fáil? Nobody has approached me. The first thing I heard about it was late last night, uh, there was a post on Reddit uh, saying this is a bit tone deaf. Uh, does he even understand? It's ironic that he's using this on his social media. I found the post on TikTok and uh, he, no one has contacted me. No one has asked my permission mm. to use this, which is, which is for me both tone deaf and uh, I find it quite uh, insulting. Are you giving him a deadline? Uh, well, he has to take the post down. Like, I don't endorse him or his his party. And this isn't about endorsing another party. This is about just the fact that I wasn't asked. Mm-hmm. And it's it's highly insulting, but I want him to take it down uh, at the very, very least. Asbestos, I appreciate you taking my call. Thank you very much. Yeah, lovely to talk to you, PJ. No, I don't know what his real name is. I'm sure he'd tell me if I asked him. Um, but he goes by the name Asbestos, and he's a well-known artist. And that is a wonderful artwork beautiful piece of work and and he turns up on the Taoiseach's TikTok and he's not happy about it he's not happy about it, thanks asbestos 0818 96 96 96 your thoughts, welcome, hello, hello testing, testing, is this working? yes, <clears throat> texts do still work, I know there's half the country hasn't sent a text message in God knows how long we'll go back to them for today Go back to them for today because WhatsApp is is goosed at the moment. Uh, it's a global problem with with WhatsApp. Oh eight one eight ninety six ninety six ninety six started at ten to eight. It's now ten past nine. Still in traffic, trying to get from Cove to Cork. It starts at Cove Cross and it's all the way in traffic jam all the way in. Could it be to do with changes at Dunkettle? We know they're two new. Uh, two changes in Dunkettle in the last couple of days could it be to do with that I know it's going down to Little Island on Friday afternoon to collect a package for the missus down in on post Um, and it's it's a nightmare it's an absolute nightmare getting down to Little Island at the moment to collect anything thanks to what's going on I know it's all for the benefit it's all for the good it'll be grand but what's going on at Dunkettle is really slowing things up. 0818-969696. All this week we have Cork Dental Care with us on the show. They to be at Union Key with a Philips Zoom home whitening kit for you every single day. Cork Dental Care helping you achieve an award-winning smile. You'll have the best gnashers at the Christmas party. CorkDentalCare.com have all the details that you need, but we have a package, one of these packages, every day for you. And we're looking for Cork moments and Cork people who made us smile. I want a name, and I want your name. And text it, please, to 083-396-9696. So who is this? Yeah, I'd say our Lord is up there now, looking down on the world, thinking the floods and the famine can wait. For there is a child in Derry who needs me to magically alter the contents of an envelope. I'm wondering here, lads, will we take the... Do we need the actor's name or do we want the character name? Which one will we take? Do we want the character or do we want the actor? I'd I'd prefer to get the actor's name. I'd prefer to get the actor's name. Yeah, I'd say our Lord is up there now, looking down on the world, thinking the floods and the famine can wait. For there is a child in Derry who needs me to magically alter the contents of an envelope. I, yeah, I want the actor's name. The character's too easy. Send your answers on text to 083 396 The name of the actor and your name. 
and we pick a winner around 5 to 12 I'll let you hear it plenty more times yeah I'd say our Lord is up there now looking down on the world thinking the floods and the famine can wait for there is a child in Derry who needs me to magically alter the contents of an envelope you guys ready? Watch out. Drive home weekdays from four on Corks ninety six FM. Not only is the Big Drive home the home of the biggest tunes, entertainment news, and celebrity interviews, but it's also the home of the coolest prizes. This week on the show, I've got a four hundred euro Kilkenny design gift card to give away every single day. Plus, there's lunch for you and three of your friends at Sophie's Rooftop Restaurant at the Dean Hotel up for grabs too. I think that deserves a woohoo! Woohoo! Find out how to win with me every weekday from four. The Big Drive Home. With Kevin O'Leary, Silver Springs, the new home for Suzuki and Cork. Hybrid has never been so affordable. Call now to ensure January delivery. Cork's 96 FM. Can we just talk? The Opinion Line with PJ Coogan. Call us now. 0818 96 96 96. On Cork's 96 FM. Yeah, here's another one coming into the weekend and the jazz weekend and people will hopefully be out enjoying themselves with what few quid we have left uh, I heard Michael O'Donovan from the Vintners asking people yesterday to be nice to young new waiting staff during the jazz I also hope that people might be gracious with tips for these young people most of them are on quite a low wage uh, particularly food delivery drivers I recently heard a table of 25 people in a restaurant, 25 people leaving a tip of a tenner between all 25 of them. Yeah, that's, that's, that's mean. My young daughter is in hospitality. The stories I hear are awful. Yet there's a gang of us would go out frequently enough and we'd always put 10% on the bill, regardless of what it is. And I, I've mentioned this before. I, I don't like anyway putting the tip on top of the bill. I like the tip to go to the server, particularly if the same young person has been serving us all evening and and has done a good job. I, I mentioned um, when I was going on my holidays, I was really, really well impressed by a young person in a very well-known establishment. I won't name it, and I won't name her, but I subsequently emailed her boss to say how impressed I was with her. But I, I followed her that night to the other end of the restaurant, and I said, I, I gave her a tip, and I said, that's for you. It's not for the tip, Jarvis, not for anybody else. It's for you. That's what I like to do with my tips. But definitely, that that idea of 25 people uh, dropping a tenner between them is just mean. That's mean. Like, as my, the old saying used to go, because you can't get the stuff anymore now, so I don't think people remember the expression mean as grape water. But it is. 0818 96 96 96. You will have seen, because it's gone around the world twice and back before WhatsApp broke down. You will have seen video of a car down on South Main Street last week and a fella with a big, what looked like a breeze block and he trying to break into it and the first time he threw the block, it bounced off the car and the second time he threw the block, it bounced off the car and then he went around to the other side of the car and he threw the block again and this time he seems to have done some damage to a window. And then clearly Ireland's dumbest criminal instead of opening the flipping door he sort of burrows his way in the broken window grabs what he can and makes a runner for it. 
in South Main Street in broad daylight, you got away with four quid. Four lousy quid having done that damage to a car. Nobody stopped. Nobody hooted the horn. A couple of people thought the best thing to do was video it. Now, as it turns out, that might have been a good thing at the end of the day. But, but he's still on the run for as much as we know. The car was owned by SARS, who's the gaffer at Sless Carpets, just there in South Main Street, well-known Cork business. SARS, good morning. Yes, that's, that's my car, yes. Yeah. Parked, parked in the loading bay on South Main Street. 10 plus 5 on Wednesday afternoon, the 12th of October. Yeah. Yeah. And you had no idea this was happening? You were in the back of the shop? I was, uh, well, was the office in the shop is near the front of, of the shop and I had no idea until a girl walked into me and told me that she'd witnessed somebody throwing blocks of my car up the street. Mm. And when I went out, he was gone. Yeah. And then a student next door to me, a Canadian student who's studying pharmacy, he, he actually came to me and he said, I've taken a video of it, do you want it? So he gave me the video by airdrop on her phone and the guards were called at this time as well. And when the guards arrived, we were able to pass the video on to the guards as well. Mm. And they also witnessed him going around the corner by the Oval Bar. And I believe the guards got good CCTV footage from him there at the Oval Bar. Right. But I haven't heard anything back from the guards as yet. Because his his face wasn't identifiable from the video or the angle of the video that I personally saw. But there seemed to have been, there seemed to be quite a number of videos. The block, it was a big heavy. I mean, it could have killed him if it bounced back wrong. Absolutely, it's a heavy paving block. Um, I have the block in the shop at the moment. Um, it's a, it's a heavy block, a really heavy block. And he did at least three attempts at the, at the driver's side window before he went to the passenger side window. And then at close range, he got it in the passenger window. Um, neglected to open the door, climbed through the glass, and he got about four euros for his trouble. That's all you had there? There was a measuring tape over the four or four or five euros. It was a couple of coins, and he had to move the measuring tape to get the coins. There was nothing else in the car. Yeah. How much damage is done to the car? You've had it assessed. Yeah, the damage is close to 1,800 euros. And luckily for me, the videos were there because the insurance company, first of all, took the case that it was um, glass breakage, and they said there was a maximum cover of, of 300 euros on the glass. But... Thanks to the videos, it was proven that it's a theft. So I'm insured under fire and theft. Very good. Mm-hmm. Um, but it, it, it's your car off the road. I mean, this is this is your work. Yeah. You use this car for your work. Absolutely, yes. Um, the car has just today gone in for a repair now because the glass had to be ordered. Um, as you can see, it was very tough in glass. I was actually quite surprised at how the glass stood up to it. Um, but it's genuine Ford glass being replaced. And um, I've... Uh, I have a vehicle on hire now for the rest of this week. How do you feel about all this? It's a, it's a very invasive, I guess, is it, to sit into your car and know that someone has tried to, you know? Well, PJ, on a, on a personal basis, I just lost my mum. We'd buried her on the day before. Oh and it was my first day back to work in a few days. And it just hit me when when this happened. Yeah. That the needless vandalism to the car was shocking. It was just... It didn't make any sense to me. I, I suppose I wasn't in the best of minds for it, and um, it shook me, to be yeah. honest with you. I'm sorry to hear that about your mum. Is it commonplace in that part of town, sir, that you get vandalism like that? 
I haven't witnessed that type of vandalism before. I have witnessed plenty of antisocial behaviour near the Bishop Lucy Park there on days. Mm. But um, I, I've never seen that. I've never witnessed anybody. I've never in my whole life seen anyone stand out in the middle of the road, blocking the traffic, shouting at them and, and banging bricks off a car. And, and then watching the cars just move off afterwards again. I, it's, it's, yeah. Did, did it surprise you that nobody intervened? Or would you think you'd be uh, half afraid of a fellow with a big block in his hand? Well, you can imagine there's a debate about that over the over the last week or so. People have been talking about it. But why somebody didn't even put their hand in the horn and just start blowing their horn? I don't understand it. Yeah. I really don't, you know? Yeah, and look, it was it was useful that there was video. I originally thought that was a CCTV, but it wasn't no. someone took through. And there are others as well, because I just got two more into my phone. Yes, yes, there's, there's, there was three, vid- three videos, and I was offered another one from another student, and I, I, didn't, I didn't have to take it at that stage yeah. because we had all we needed, yeah. you know. The, having the videos is useful, as you've said to me, with regard to the insurance, but the other thing too, like why, why would you video something and not call the guards? Or who, do you know who did call the guards? Um, well, I certainly, yes, I do. There was a, there was a gentleman who came into the shop. And actually, he knew my mom. His mom knew my mom. Ah, oh, right. Um, and he told me he had called the guards. Yeah. Um, but he was a foot on foot as well. Here's hoping someone will will collar the individual who did this to you. I'm sorry to hear about you, mom. At a difficult time to have this happen on top of it all, you know. Um, my my mom was a great lady, and she actually worked in the shop many years ago. And you know, Peter, she was 97 and it was my her time, but, but she was still my mum, you know. Of course she was. And and that shop is there a long time. I'm, I'm sure I probably bought a carpet or two from myself over the years. 1959, my dad and another man took it over at that stage from a, from a genuine Jew man called Henry Sless. And they, they took the business over. I joined the company in 1975, stroke 1976, and I've been there ever since. And now I have a son working in there with me as well. So we're going on to a third generation. It's a traditional cork business. Listen, good talking to you. And uh, my, my condolences again on the loss of your mom. And I hope that they do catch the culprit and that your car comes back in one piece very soon. PJ, thank you very much. But as I say, we need to get individuals like him off the street anyway, because, it, you know, it's, it's shocking. Absolutely shocking what we witnessed. Yeah, it is indeed. Thank you. Thank you too. Thank you, PJ. Cheers, cheers, stars. Yeah, that's and that video is all over the place. You you have seen it. Actually, sorry to hear about um, Sars's mom there. Someone else who lost their mom in the last uh, twenty four hours. I noticed, and I, and one I knew, I met her many times, and indeed my wife knew her um, through her time with the Dundanian singers of old, and that is Sheila Boyle. Uh, Sheila Boyle to be mother of uh, Dan Boyle, Councillor Dan Boyle and uh, former Senator indeed, former TD uh, Dan Boyle. Sheila would have been 90 just a few months ago and she passed away uh, yesterday and she was a character if ever there was one and she was one of the last people to ever live on Patrick Street. That was her claim to fame. She was born there I think actually, born on Patrick Street and she passed away uh, yesterday. Uh, so our condolences to Dan and, and the family on the loss of Sheila and indeed to her many friends over the years from the Dundanian Singers where she was very active. She was active in a lot of things actually was was Sheila Boyle. May she rest in peace. Her thoughts with the family. 0818 96 96 96. Now Paul also contacted us about vandalism to cars. Uh, Paul, good morning. Your car was 
was also done. Yeah, it happened to each other and I had this oh, half name. I just packed up the car um, it's about quarter past nine. Um, and uh, I just went, this was in Sullivan's Key, you know. Yeah. So I just went over to the, by the Enterprise, by the Flying Enterprise. Yes. And I just went over there to meet a friend of mine. Um, and the phone rang about five minutes later. And, and it was um, it was my mother that the guards were knocking at the door. Um because the car was registered to my mother's house. Yes. And uh, they, they, she put the girls on the phone to me and they told me that your brick was just tra- uh, thrown through your window in Sullivan's Key. Crazy. So I just just ran around the corner then and then grass everywhere and the girls were there and all it was in the car really was um, just after after she bottle after shave and dehydrant. Right. And that was it. And that's what he took. It was a red brick. Big red red brick was just on the ground next to the car. That's what he used. A red right. brick. Do you know? Yeah. Um that was it then I just I just drove it was rational then and so I just drove on then and put, uh, put plastic on the, the window and patched it up. Hmm. Do you know? So the following day, then I went into the shop, um, where I parked the car. Right. Um, and uh, the CCTV was actually pointing right over my car. Okay. Do you know? Now I asked them could I have a look at the CCTV, and they wouldn't believe me. They said the guards have to come in and uh, check the CCTV themselves. You know. Right. And did the guards do that? I don't know. I didn't. You haven't uh, heard back, no. No. No, so um, I'm just thinking it's probably the same film again. Could that be. That I've seen that video, you know? Very similar, yeah. And it was because of the video that the other chap was able to get his insurance to cover it. Will your insurance cover it? No, no, no. Because I'm only third party. Only third party. So they wouldn't, they wouldn't cover me, so I just paid them. I paid it myself. How much? So I got the glass the following two, I got the glass two days later. Um, 170. Okay. That was, a, that was an expensive meeting with your friend? It was. So the reason um, I, I text you, because of the video I've seen going around the place. Yeah. In, in, uh, by Bishop Lucy Park there. That's right, yeah. Sure. You know? So I was home. That individual we don't think has been caught yet, so it, you never know. It could have been him or it could have been somebody else, but to put a brick through someone's car for a, for a can of deodorant is just... Yeah, and then um, the, the girl inside, one of the staff inside the shop outside where I parked my car, mm. said the, girl, the girls have been in a couple of times looking for CCTV. There's a number of incidents happening on that street on the Sullivan's Key right. and George's Key as well. Um, and even two weeks ago, I seen a lot of gl- uh, glass broken down on Cove Street, like it was glass from a car. Yeah, you know yeah, the way it shatters, you can you can tell straight away. So he's still that largest fella, and he seems to be getting away with it at the moment. You know, there seems to be a lot of it going on. Yeah, it's only just basically around that area. You know, and yeah. um, that this thing is happening because there's a lot of dark laneways that they can run down. Do you know what I mean? Yes. When they're, when they're doing that, like. Yeah. But uh, uh, the, even the girl 
that was talking to me inside the shop when the staff she said her bike her bike was robbed outside the, the door of the shop and during the day um, a number of and a second bike she had got damaged as well outside yeah. the shop as well in Sullivan's Key the guards will take a statement and then investigate and I suppose that like, like you said they're they're used to them going to that shop to, to check CCTV but at the end of the day you're the one left with the with the broken windows and the and the bill yeah so you know just uh, just saying and highlight you know to yourself like what's happening around that area you know so people just to be avoid leaving anything at all inside the cars in in that area to be watching out for it you know right. like if they walk into me bust my window like just for the hoarding and, and a an aftershave on the seat. You know what I mean? All right, Paul, listen. Have a good day. Thanks for your call. Thank you. Thanks, Paul. Uh, yeah, another Paul on the text. PJ, this is about the previous one, but Sarge's car. Vehicle doors won't open when it's locked. It's a security feature to stop you opening them when you break windows. Oh, this is about your man with the with the block and the hole. It just looked a bit daft, like when he had, he had the thing... The, the wind had broken eventually and he climbed in for the sake of four quid. Now, to mind your man, whoever did that to Paul's car for the sake of a bottle of deodorant, apart from me, he probably took it up a, a laneway and started sniffing it, but I don't know. I really don't know. Kate says, I've no time for the type of individual that would cause that amount of damage to somebody's vehicle. It's a pity they can't be named and shamed and when they're in court... They should be put on the front page. Well, when they're in court, Kate, once they are over 18, the chances are that they will be named and shamed. So you'd hope they will be caught and brought to court. Problem then is, you see, and this happens all the time, you'll get some hand wringer, some barrister or some social worker or somebody will stand up in court and wring their hands and say, I should judge, should God help him, he did an awful problem in his child. That old nonsense. But at the same time, Sars is left with a with a damaged car. Paul is left with a bill that his insurance won't cover and the perpetrators are at large. 0818969696 and to listen to Paul, there's a lot of it about an awful lot of it. WhatsApp is goosed, so don't mind it this morning. Don't even try it. It's goosed internationally. All the websites, all the news websites have it now. Um, WhatsApp is in trouble internationally. Started to give trouble before 8 o'clock this morning. And now, just forget it. Forget you even have it on your phone for now. If it comes back before the end of the show, I'll let you know. 0818969696. The text this morning. Text is 083. 396 9696. The Cork Diary. On Cork's 96 FM. Boeing Tractor and Vintage Car Run 2022 takes place on Sunday, the 30th of October. Registration is at Boeing Hall from 11 a.m. and the run starts at 12 30 p.m. Funds raised from the event will go towards Marymount Hospice. If you have an event you would like mentioned, email the details to Cork Diary at 96fm.ie. The Cork Diary. With CorkSimon.ie Because everyone who calls Cork home should have one. Cork's 96FM There's a lot of traffic build-up around McCurtain Street and surrounding areas up to Wellington Road. It's been happening for a while. It's going to get worse before it gets better. 
mornings and evenings. It's going to get considerably worse before it gets better. And uh, into the new year, it'll get worse again as changes continue to be made. It's all part, though, of a huge development of the area uh, to be henceforth known as the Victorian Quarter. And in fact, they've issued a whole business plan for 2023 on the development of the area under many different headings, culture and green sustainability, being family-friendly, community-focused activity, design, excellence. A lot of changes happening on uh, McCurtain Street over the, the, the next while. And Shane Clark is Director of Operations uh, for what's known as VQ now, not just Victorian Quarter, uh, Shane. It's it, it's a brand. It's a whole brand now for the area. Morning. Good, good, very good morning, PJ. Uh, yes, I suppose we're look. We're we're at heart. We're a, we're a, we're a bunch of uh, long-standing businesses that have come together, and look, we we put a brand on. On we're doing a rebranding from the Victorian Quarter to the to the VQ. But but in essence, we're. The very same thing. We're, we're we're businesses. We're individuals. We're mm. landlords looking out for the best in the area. You're individuals and landlords and business people in a fabulous part of town that's undergoing a lot of change at the moment. And with change is going to come some disruption. So let's go through it. Well, look, it is. Uh, you'll have seen. Uh, your listeners will have seen that have been stuck in traffic on a number of the sort of peripheral. Uh, roadworks um, that are part of the McCurtain Street Improvement Scheme uh, that are leading up to the really big endeavour, the really big change in uh, January when the council and the NTA start investing their millions directly onto McCurtain Street itself. So there is congestion. We completely recognise that. It's a sort of an omelette and egg situation. Um, and um, come January, you'll start to see that sort of play out in McCurtain Street for about, we understand, about nine to ten months. We're seeing the start of something as well at the bottom of Bridge Street these days. They've, and they're making one of these enormous corner pavements down there. Is there some of that going into McCurtain Street? Oh, I wish actually your, your listeners could look at some of the images of what is actually going to happen. The, the big, big main change, the, sort of the headline act really, is that McCurtain Street is going to go from sort of two quasi-three lanes in one direction to, uh, to, to uh, one lane in each direction. And most of the traffic on the northern lane will be buses. There will be some private cars coming in from Bridge Street, but all the private cars coming in from the N20, their movements will be... Um, will be to redirect it onto the keys rather than up McCurtain Street. So what you'll get on McCurtain Street is, I don't have the exact number, but circa sort of 50% reduction in traffic and pollution and vehicle numbers uh, on McCurtain Street once the scheme is finished. And the other thing that's happening is that, uh, again, your listeners will know the sort of plastic builds out, which I think for the most part have been quite successful. They, mm. they, they're not without their problems. Um, but that will be replaced by really high quality, lovely materials and a great public realm. So it'll become a much nicer place to walk, to eat, uh, mm. to move about town and it will undoubtedly drive, we've had a lot of investment um, even over COVID and it'll undoubtedly drive even more investment and job opportunities uh, once this game is finished. Now going to way all sounds very sexy but at the moment... <laughs> Right. At the moment, a lot of cars yeah. and buses and trucks use McCurtain Street as their way out of town to get down towards the train, to get down towards Glenmire, to get out of town. It's, it's, it's a major exit right now. So you're going to cut what's now three lanes of a major exit down to two lanes 
only one of which would be going out. Where's everybody going to go, Shane? Well, I suppose you, you've, you've sort of hit the nail on the head in that all that traffic uh, is passing through, you know, a story and historic and much loved and, you know, very quickly improving part of town. It's racing through there and not doing very much for that particular area. So it won't come as a great surprise to hear that we're very biased to seeing that turn back to its, you know, historic prime and actually its 21st century future. Where it's actually going to go is uh, it'll it'll come off the N20 and go on to the Keys on, on the south side off, uh, beside Merchant's Key uh, and then on the north side there'll be increased capacity on the north side on Patrick's Key. And in the short term look, there's no getting away from it and actually I think next year we will definitely have challenges I'll probably be on the phone to you next year um, Once you're doing any of these works, it'll produce tight Spots, you know, it'll produce. Uh, Let's, it'll that, produce pinch Shane, points, and that Shane, will be problematic. Yeah, I, I know. I, I know that you're trying to put it gently for people. There will be bloody carnage for a few months. Let's call a spade a spade here. There'll be carnage. I. Um, I should hope I, it, there'll be you? difficulties. There, I may well come on and you may well say, Shane, there's carnage at certain points. And I, I won't say there won't be, but I yeah. think to be fair to the council, uh, the, the planning for this, you know, they planned it out for another year ahead. Yeah. Uh, they will be doing their darndest with the NTA and with the business community yeah. to reduce the carnage down to the minimum level at the, you know, yeah. uh, during that period of time. So yeah. I'm not going to shy away from that, and I don't think anyone should. I'm having a laugh with you because I know we'll be here with people giving out yards for the next twelve months, and everyone will look at what we're going to get. And yeah. in order to get there, it's like you said, it's the omelette and egg situation. But what am I getting? This traffic will go. Onto the Keys, back around Bridge Street, and back up onto McCorton Street. No, so so if you're let's take your journey, if you're coming in from Blackpool, yeah, uh, essentially, you know, this time next year, post Jazz, uh, you won't be. And if you're going down Lord Landmire Road, I'll have to sort yeah. of think through so the you, process. You, 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 you come in from Blackpool, you come up Coburg Street, up there past Pine Street. Yeah, uh, up up past the Chenet and all those, and you're onto McCourton Street and out of town. Where do you go next year? Fly away. So now, what you'll do is you'll go you'll go down to the you'll go down to the um, you'll go down to the river. You'll cross the bridge and come up by. Um, let me think what you will do. You'll come up by Merchant's Key and cross Brian Baru, or you'll cross the next one. My, my brain is failing me here That's on okay. the radio. My, and my, head in my that brain direction. didn't melt at the thought of it, but I see where you... So the, in other words, instead of going straight onto McCartan Street, you're going to go over onto the Keys, up the other side of the river, then back over the river through the Brian Baru Bridge and out the other way. Basically, yeah, yeah. You know, Shane, I hope it all really does work out because, to be fair, it'll be fabulous for the area, and I've seen yeah. the the projections of what they want to do, and it will be great. But I, I guarantee it, we'll be here a couple of times next year talking about carnage at traffic time. But look, thank you. Um, like de- deli- delivery drivers and all that also have to be taken into account. Yeah, briefly, Shane, do, do you know what's going to happen with them delivery people? People wanting to park, people wanting to bring in stocks, supplies. Uh, yeah, well, I mean, obviously the um, uh, the business community uh, and the council have been sort of talking in some detail about that. There is uh, there's drop off spaces, there's disabled bays, and there's loading bays. 
so we're, we're getting down to the fine detail and how, how that works sort of operationally okay. uh, but certainly that's been planned into it Alright, a lot of change coming a lot of change coming in McCartan Street in 2023 Thank you Shane Shane Clark, Director of Operations for VQ formerly known as Victorian Quarter changing its name more often than Prince did but still still 0818 96 96 96 talking last week about the amalgamation of uh, the two schools on the north side remember that uh, we were talking to uh, Councillor Tony um, from the north side there about the amalgamation of St Vincent's and the North Pres which is to go ahead and now there's a petition against it Maureen Kiki uh, you're a parent you're organising this petition good morning hi good morning What's the problem with it, Maureen? With the problem with the amalgamation? Yes. Well, from the beginning, uh, we came back after COVID lockdown and months of online learning. And within a couple of weeks, the trustees appointed an independent facilitator to begin this process. And when our school community stood up and said we were opposed to any amalgamation, we were very quickly smacked down and told that it wasn't an amalgamation process. It was merely a fact-finding exploration of the future of Catholic education on the north side of Cork City. I see. So you didn't know there was going to be an amalgamation? No, they denied it. And now here it is. And now here it is. Um, So what's so bad about it, though? Well, amalgamation is probably inevitable. Now, St. Vincent's enrolment is growing and has been for the last number of years, whereas North Presentation, their enrolment is declining. And it is inevitable that amalgamation will go ahead at some stage. The problem with the amalgamation now is the speed that they are proposing it happens at and the location it is going to happen at. The building in St. Vincent's is a far superior facility to the North Presentation location. Um, We are well equipped to handle all of the children in the one building without the need for additional modular buildings, which is what has been proposed, which are glorified prefabs. Mm. Um, And they want this all done and dusted to transfer our 24 autistic teenagers and the whole community of St. Vincent's up the hill to North Prez to an unsuitable facility by September. Right. There's a petition now of a thousand names, but it does look as if it's a done deal, doesn't it, Maureen? Well, amalgamation may be a done deal, and we accept that as parents. But the priority now should be given to the students of both schools. And what is the easiest way to transition them to build one community together Mm. before there is any talk of it becoming a co-educational setting. The mental health of our students is more important than anything else. Is there an issue with the co-ed element, Maureen? Well, St. Vincent's, it has an amazing ASD hub that supports 24, as I said, 24 autistic teenagers and supports numerous children throughout the school. And this facility is state-of-the-art the, the care they provide for the students, the support they give it. Personally, my daughter Eilish, she went into secondary school with not much hope of ever achieving being able to sit an exam. She never managed it in primary school. Yeah. 
and she, with the support of St. Vincent's and the Hub, was aiming for college. Wow. Uh, it is absolutely fantastic. It is the longest But she won't lose any of that, will she? Right. I'll be honest with you, PJ. Her, like many of the students in St. Vincent's, the transition up to the proposed transition up to the North Presentation site will kill her education because her educa- her transition from primary school began when she was in fifth class to St. Vincent's. Yeah, you can't just do it overnight. You just so. can't. It's it's not a rip off the plaster. Come on, move the chairs, pack your bag, yeah. we'll go up the hill. It, it it looks like this is a story that's going to run for a while, Myred. Um, they do plan to move in, in 2023. Your petition's up to a thousand signatures. I'm sure it's a story we'll come back to for no reason other than time. For today, I'm going to leave it there. Uh, but thank you very much, Maureen Hickey. That petition up to, as I said, a thousand signatures by last Friday against, or at least to delay, the amalgamation of St. Vincent's and North Preds until they can sort out things like uh, the ASD provision, whereas Maureen says her daughter is thriving. The Takeover. On Cork's 96 FM. Weeknights from 7 on the Big Drive Home. We give you the chance to take charge of our tunes. Join me, Lorraine, as you decide what songs we fire off. I'm good, yeah, I'm feeling alright. Hold me closer. And it's, and it's bigger than this. Can I fight your tongue like a bad habit? I'm unstoppable. All this late night talking. You pick what we play. See our song list on 96FM Insta Stories with Sophie's Rooftop Restaurant at the Dean Quirk. Serving lunch daily over breathtaking views. See sophies.ie. Turn up the music. On Cork's 96FM. The lines are live. And we're ready to talk. Can we just talk? Call 0818-969696. Text or WhatsApp 083-396-9696. Email opinion at 96fm.ie. The Opinion Line with PJ Coogan. On Cork's 96FM. Hold on there for me, Paul. You'll be on the radio in about a minute's time to talk about the McCurtain Street situation. 0818-969696, the number, the text, and the WhatsApp is back. Glory be! 083 396 and your email is opinion at 96fm.ie. People are calling us at the last morning or two wondering what is this alarm sound? Seems to be going off all the time up around Donnybrook and Frankfield and that, or Donnybrook rather, that general area there outside Doug. What is it? Does anybody know? Started early this morning, uh, stopped at half nine. And now seems to be going again. The alarm up around the Donnybrook area. Does anybody know what that is? 0818 96 96 96. On thefts and, and nasty pieces of work going around robbing deodorant out of cars, breaking windows of cars with bricks and blocks and paving stones and getting four euro out of one car and a flipping can of deodorant out of the other. Margaret says, my niece lost her banking card her Revolut card, 30 quid in cash and all of her personal bits and pieces and some very nice, honest, decent person handed into readings. I just want to say it's great there's honest people out there too. There are Margaret and I'll tell you this much as well for nothing. 
and we talk about all the bad stuff, there are far more nice people and far more honest people and far more decent people and far more good people out there than there are gougers and chancers like people who throw paving stones at cars and run away with four euro. There's a lot more of the good ones out there. Thanks, Margaret. 0818969696. Now, Paul, listening to Shane there explaining what's happening in McCurtain Street, it's going to be difficult in 2023, but I guess the end will justify the means, or will it? Good morning. Good morning, PJ. How are you? Good. I tell you, Shane paints a beautiful picture, but he doesn't have a clue. Because he thinks that traffic is all going to go two-way down Bridge Street and half it goes over Partridge Street. And all the traffic coming in from the north side from North Cork is going to come in by the Blackpool Bypass, go over the bridge, up on the Keys, and down to Baru Bridge and down onto Custom House Bridge and over. That's what the drawing says. Right. That's what the drawing says. Now, if you drive over Christie Ring Bridge towards Blackpool, at Heineken Brewery, they're building brand new traffic lights and a brand new lane to turn right onto Coburg Street. Yeah. What do you think that's for? You tell me. You, it's to take traffic down Coburg Street. Now, the people of Cork aren't going to drive down the Keys, go all the way around. They're going to still drive down Coburg Street, still drive down McCorton Street and out to the lower road because that's what they've been doing. But that'll be solved, won't it, Paul, by not being able, by being only able to turn down to Coburg Street if you're going in one direction, not in two yeah. directions. Yeah, but that's, that's the thing about it. They're still going in one direction. They're going out of town. Right. They're going down Coburg Street, out McCourton Street, and down the lower road. Speaking of one direction, for the past eight weeks, you've had... One direction down the keys from Merton's Key. No right turn onto Patrick's Bridge. That's no right. No right turn onto Christie Ring Bridge. That's right. You're sitting out there now looking out over the river. Stand mm. up and tell me in the next two minutes how many cars stop and turn right in both bridges. Oh, God. I, well, I, I wouldn't get over to the window. I'd be stretching yeah, but, me. Yeah, but that's just taking. I know what you mean. I know what you mean. I mean, I come in every morning. That way, I come in over Christie Ring Bridge, up. I come up Coburg Street every single morning, and I did the Brian Baru Bridge thing for the first time the other day since the change happened. And yeah. I was just thinking to myself, and it was a lovely, quiet morning. I was driving my daughter into town. It was a nice, quiet morning, and everything was grand and hunky dory. And the next thing I'm thinking to myself, what's going to happen here on a wet December morning? And there's one small tip. It's still half dark. Carnage. Well you, see, well, you see at the moment when you're coming down those keys, there's a load of work being done on them. And yep. you saw down the one lane. It's a pain in the neck. I know it's a pain in the neck of a taxi driver. I understand it'll all come good in the end. But McCourton Street, they think they're going to stop traffic coming in from the North Ring Road down and stop them going down McCourton Street. It's not going to happen. As it stands, right, you've two, three lanes going westbound. Sorry, eastbound down McCourton Street. You, Cork City Council, have allowed CityLink stop outside... Uh, cask. Oh, the buses, yeah. Right? That bus stops there for 20 minutes, blocks up a, a full lane of traffic. He doesn't care because he's not taking on passengers for another 15 minutes. None of my business. I have to drive around. There's a truck on the right-hand side doing a delivery to the Shelbourne. He doesn't care because he has to do that delivery at 7 o'clock in the morning. It's bear kicked. Yeah, yeah. So that leaves you with one lane in the middle. Yeah. Now, I, it's now, not, and it's not the, either of the drivers' fault. They have their jobs no, to do. They have, they have your dead right. They have jobs to do. Then I pull around, and I want to pick up at the hotel. 
you think I'm going to keep on driving and be moving around in the taxi? I have to stop and pick up their passenger, otherwise they're not going to use my service. Mm. Do you know what people will say, Paul? Um, And they'll say, you know what? These things happen all over the world and taxi drivers don't ring radio stations given out that other major European cities change their traffic plans all the time. We seem to be the only ones that crib about it. No, they do. Other European cities do. But you know what they do, PJ? Enforcement. Enforcement in what way? Enforce it. Cork City Council make these beautiful rules and changes and then just turn around, it's a bylaw now, nothing to do with goddamn us. Mm. You're talking about the panda ban. The panda that's another, that's another. Well, I was halfway down. I was halfway down Panna about six weeks ago on a, an afternoon, and oh bugger, I shouldn't be here. Yeah, but that's it, right? There's if you walk down, if you go down the keys and Park Street, there's an average of about twenty-five traffic cameras for the traffic to be uh, run properly. Manfred, yeah. If right, I've gone on to Councillor Tony Fitzgerald a couple of times about this. If Cork City Council spent about five or six million on cameras with proper traffic enforcement, i.e. break a red light, turn right, three points, 80 euro fine. If you come down Patrick's or down Martin's Gate at the moment and turn right onto Patrick's Bridge, you get away with it, you're going to do it next week. You're going to do it the week after. If there's a traffic You want people to get penalty points yeah, for that? Yeah, listen. If, they, if you have the traffic enforcement cameras like most European cities do, if you make that illegal right turn, four days later you get a pe- you get a notice in your door with a sixty euro fine and three penalty points. You do that twice in a month. Are you gonna do it next month? You're not, Paul, you're right. Come here. While I have you taxi driver, yes. yeah? Yes, do, you t- do you take cards? I've taken cards for the past eight years. Do you not have- good man. Do you, good have- man. Do you happen to know why an awful lot of your colleague won't? <laughs> I'm not going to get into that argument with them. That's their own choice. Well, up until the 1st of September, it was their own choice. But now they have to. But uh, A lot of them won't, though. We I, had my yeah, man on yesterday who was refused. Day, I was outside Dunn's the other morning, the other last, sorry, last week, with a tour in the car. And one of your well-known commentators that gets on to you all the time, this woman went to get into his car at uh, 10 o'clock in the morning. And she stuck, his head, stuck her head in his door. And next thing she asked, I know she asked, have you got a card? And he said no. And he's one of you Well, let's not name anybody or identify anybody, Paul. But yeah, I'm, I know, yeah. and I wouldn't. Yeah. And I wouldn't. I've had a card system payment for the past eight years, and I've always used it. All right, all right. So, so Marins, and we... we, we I'd love to know. Thank you, Paul. Good contribution. Appreciate it. I'd love to know, and the invitation is wide open to any taxi driver who isn't currently taking cards and doesn't want to take cards and is running the risk of needing a conversation with a regulator because they're refusing to take cards. Uh, you can do it anonymously if you want to. I don't mind. I just want to know why people are refusing to take cards. On the licensing hours, Kate, thanks for holding. I delayed with Paul there. Thanks for holding for me. So, from next year, open from half ten to half past midnight, seven days a week. Late bar licence still have to. Nightclubs can stay open till six. Uh, the serving must close at five. And it's to start next year. I'm saying this morning, what's wrong with that? It's kind of dragging us into the 21st century. Okay. What's your thought? Good morning. 
um, I just think it's great. Um, but is it, does that affect the, the off licenses and supermarkets, supermarkets and all that kind of thing as, as well? Does it? I don't know about that. Kim. Yeah, you know where you 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 couldn't go until half when they opened at half twelve. Yeah. You know, um, will that change as well? Because, you know, when you're in, you're doing your shopping and you can't get your thing until what, or half, half yes. ten or half twelve, whatever. Do you remember you said one day? Oh, it's utterly that, back. You know, I think our off-licence rules are utterly backward. Utterly backward. Yeah. So I was just wondering. But I think it's a good idea. The only problem I'd have is that hopefully they respect the drink like they do in main cities in Europe. You know, that it yeah. doesn't become just an extra boozing thing for the Irish. Do you know what I'm saying? I do. That they respect you're saying it. our they, culture might ensue. Yeah, the, cul- the culture must change yeah. to go with it. You know, we just can't have Largo all day long. Do you know, do you know what I'm getting at? Yeah. We're, in, we're in Europe and you go to a different place and you go on holidays and everything. It's very respectful. Yeah. It really is. And you go around the corner and then you just meet a big gang of Largo and they're either Irish or English. I swear to God, and it's awful. Yeah. No, I mean, you know? I've just been in Tenerife on my holidays in the summertime yeah. and in the morning you go down it eight o'clock for the fresh yeah. bread and the eggs and the butter and whatever. And you can throw a couple of cans of beer into the basket okay, for later. Okay. It's all very civilised. It is, and there's no problem with him in France, with him in Italy, everywhere. And even when the Italians would have their wine with them, they have the little glasses and they'd have yes. if they're not having pints. We have pint so. glasses. <laughs> pint of wine, yeah. You know, you know those big, it's a, those big it's red wine glasses, Kate, you know, the big beautiful red wine glasses. You're not supposed to fill them, like. No, you're not really, but do you remember they were giving them out in super value? I do. There were giving boxes, and I'm sure we still have them under the stairs. <laughs> oh, I know, I know, yeah. I know. So it's yeah. not a point of wine, really. So no, it's not meant to be. <laughs> it's not meant to be, but yeah, let's. If, if we are, if we are going to have European, proper European opening hours, cheers, Kate, and thanks for holding. If we are going to have proper European civilized opening hours, can we develop some proper European civilized drinking habits? Which is a fair point. Thanks, Kate. 0818 96 96 96. Give you this again. We're with Cork Dental Care and Union Key all this week. A Philips Zoom home whitening kit to give you every single day. And Cork Dental Care helping you achieve an award-winning smile. All the deets you want are on their website, corkdentalcare.com. Here's a voice. I want the actor's name of the actress's name. I, I want the name of the actor and the actress, not necessarily the character. Okay, it's Cork actor, a, a Cork person who made us smile. That's the key. All right, who is this? Yeah, I'd say our Lord is up there now, looking down on the world, thinking the floods and the famine can wait, for there is a child in Derry who needs me to magically alter the contents of an envelope. I think that's quite easy, but then I'd be a big fan of the show. I'd get the character. I might have to struggle with the name. I think that's most people, but we want the name of the actor. 0818 96 96 96. You can WhatsApp your answers to us now again, because it's back up. 083 396 96 96. Their name and yours. On McCurtain Street, Victorian area of the city, new two-way traffic system just like back to the future. Remember, there was a two-way system of the 60s and early 70s. yes. Yes, um, Brian Baru Bridge was uh, two-way when I was a young fella. It's two-way again now, but there was a lot less cars going up and down. And I still think, I hope it doesn't happen, but I still think we'll be here on a cold, wet, half-dark December morning talking about a tip on Brian Baru Bridge or near it 
that has I'm nobody hurt, just a tip that has held up the whole flipping place. Convinced we will, you know. Tim says there's a huge military convoy passing through Silver Springs. Are we mobilising for World War Three? God alone knows I don't know that. I know we're monitoring the Russians off the coast. Did you see that in the paper? I pull that article out in a minute and tell you. One, Russians are being monitored off our coast at the moment. But Tim wants to know what's going on in Silver Springs. Can anybody tell us? Oh wait, one eight ninety six ninety six ninety six. And Pat says, Cork City Centre is so small, even for bike lanes. The city is at a standstill most evenings. Planning has gone crazy. PJ, that's a load of bull. Listening to Shane. What gear is he on? Stop it. Your Cork City Centre is too small for even bike lanes. The city is at a standstill. There are more and more bike lanes going in. And that that is the way forward. Tell the people on Tory Top Road that, I know. But there are more and more bike lanes going in. There are more and more of these huge pavements. Bottom of Bridge Street, last couple of mornings I've been coming in on the bus. And as I walk over Patrick's Bridge there, coming up, the whole corner there by Bridge Street where you come around from Patrick's Key and around into Bridge Street there's going to be this massive pavement kind of going halfway over into the street and these are going everywhere there's another one seems to be going up near Pine Street these huge big wide pavements going in everywhere clearly it's going to make everything work more efficiently and quickly and everything I, I that's what they tell us anyway 0818 96, 96, 96. This convoy that Tim was asking, there was army, there was guard the cars. It was like somebody preparing for war. Let's see if we can't find out more. PJ Coogan on the opinion line. Silver winner. Silver winner. Best news story at the Imro Radio Awards 2022. Corks 96 FM. I don't have the trolley watch numbers yet for today. They usually drop uh, around half ten, eleven o'clock. But one thing is for sure, Cork's not been doing well at all in the last couple of weeks, particularly COH, but the Mercy also uh, not doing well at all in terms of the number of people waiting on trolleys for admission. And then the Irish Nurses and Midwives Organisation has now described conditions at the Mercy as intolerable and unsafe Liam Conway is from the INMO, Industrial Relations Officer. Liam, intolerable and unsafe. This is a major hospital you're talking about. Good morning. Good morning, PJ. Yeah, and I don't use those words lightly, PJ. Um, I suppose that's that's coming from our members who are working in this department. Um, Unfortunately, just as you said there this morning, the numbers are are worse again today in, in all of the sites here in Cork. Are they out yet, Liam? There's 72 patients awaiting a bed in Cork University Hospital this morning, uh, along with 28 patients in uh, the Marcy and Kerry, for example, has another 28 patients as well. So, so three... we have 100 people on trolleys in Cork this morning. Absolutely, yeah. um, it, it's very, very, very concerning. Um, it's actually today is going to be the worst um, trolley count numbers we've had of all of 2022 across the, the, the nation. So the picture in Cork is very similar to what we're experiencing, our members are experiencing across all emergency departments. Mm. Um, and the last the time, sorry to cut across you, Liam, the last time we had 100, I remember it well, was it 100 or did it go over 100? We had, with the closest thing in, the, in this country to a cold black, we almost had that. Are we close to it again? 
Well, all of hospitals with those levels of overcrowding are in black escalation. So I suppose what should be happening in all emergency departments and all hospital sites is um, they should be pu- publishing their public wait times, explaining to the public, do not attend them. If you thought the only way to get a more defined jawline with natural-looking results was through surgery, think again. Juvederm Volux XC is a non-surgical injectable gel filler that improves moderate to severe loss of jawline definition and can help you achieve natural-looking results with little downtime. Even better, this improved definition lasts up to one year with optimal treatment. No maintenance required. Improve jawline definition for a smooth, sculpted look with Juvederm Volux XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. Emergency departments, unless absolutely necessary, available of alternative services. Um, the wait times, for example, yesterday were nearly over 100 hours in the emergency for, for a patient who's been admitted to get That's a bed days. in the hospital. Um, so we are at a real crisis point here. And um, as I said, the conditions are intolerable for members. They are trying to do their best in overcrowded environments. Um, there's concerns in relation to fire safety because the over- departments are so overcrowded, they're blocking fire exits. Um, the fire safety officers, the health and safety authority have been into these departments and the pressures uh, on staff at the moment are in, uh, you know, completely not sustainable at all. And I suppose for patients then as well, it's an unsafe environment. And we know, for example, as of yesterday, that there is a COVID outbreak in a number of sites. Um, and people are advising, you know, there's additional visiting restrictions. So this is a very, very concerning time now and there really needs to be an urgent response from the government in the South West Group. What's the cause, Liam, and what's the what what'll fix it? Because we're blue in the face when talking about this. You and I and your I mean, I remember talking to, to the great Patsy Doyle about this, to Mick Deneen about this, to Liam Doran about this, you name it. Every INMO luminary of the last 20 years I've been talking about this. It, it never seems to go away, though. But it's, it's fairly simple, um, PJ. The system still does not have enough beds, and the beds have been reduced since 2008, and we haven't surpassed that number. So the hospital service in terms of bed capacity is still smaller, um, and what we have is a complete, pure demand for beds in our acute hospitals, and there's simply not enough beds and there's simply not enough beds in the community and, and discharge facilities. And we've been saying after the last decade, um, and the urgent need to address that. Now, I suppose there will be some good news from, from the Mercy University Hospital perspective. There is 30 beds due to open in the next number of weeks, and that will take some pressure off that site. Right. But I suppose you have to look at a wider picture, and you look at the likes of uh, CUH, and you look at um, the likes of Kerry as well, and across all emergency environments. This isn't just a core problem, it's nationwide and oh, the government needs to take our turn Absolutely, absolutely. See where uh, Stephen Donnelly announced in the last week or so that he wants the same team that went into Limerick to, to go into Cork. Uh, would, that, would, that, would that have any effect? Well, absolutely, we welcome that. Um, and, you know, we've called on the regulator on multiple times from Hickwet to go in and visit these um, 
departments on unannounced inspections and examine the, the, the real true time and experience for both patients and staff in these departments. And we look at the, the wait times, you know, that should be public knowledge, it should be published mm. um, because you need to be measuring that because the departments are not performing as they should. Um, they are basically an additional uh, medical or surgical ward now because of the levels of overcrowding because yeah. we don't have that capacity in, in our uh, hospitals. And even when you staff the departments with the appropriate staffing, um, you still can't get patients out because you need that additional bed capacity. So the government needs to really take an urgent uh, action now and look at additional bed capacity and utilise the private hospitals when you have to go and actually build these these beds as well. And we need additional beds in Cork and Diverse Hospital. We've been saying that for the last number of years. There needs to be additional uh, beds put in and they can do that. How, how much of this, Liam, is down also to the problem of funnelling everything into Cork after 5pm. I mean, I was only talking to a woman last week. Her husband was taken ill down in Bantry. And and while they could stabilise him and give him something for the pain in Bantry Hospital, they couldn't do anything else for him, so he'd be shipped up to Cork. Like, that's a bloody fine hospital. And and lots of people from West Cork could go there and take pressure off uh, CUA. Same thing to be said for, for Mallow. A damn fine hospital. Not Not half enough being done there. Like, where is your union on that? Well, we completely support Slaunch Care. That's very clear. And Slaunch Care looks at putting out a lot of these services in the community. So we're at a very early stage in terms of the development and from a HSE perspective and a government perspective around the community hubs, which will allow for people to access services instead of having to present to your emergency department um, or be referred from your GP. You can be referred to these hubs. But it has been um, extremely slow. Uh, it's been, uh, I suppose, dr- slowly driven from the government in terms of funding. And I suppose that has delayed and exacerbated the problem that we see in our emergency departments. But I, I completely agree, PJ, and, and, and listeners will know this, you know, trying to get access to a GP at the moment or, you know, or trying to get to a GP or get, get into a GP practice. Mm. Or, for example, trying to get access to like the South Dock after hours. It can be extremely challenging, particularly when you're in, in rural areas. So the, unfortunately, the way the health system is designed up until recently, the only entry point out, out of hours um, is to your emergency department. But what we are saying really is that the hospitals now need to be promoting and clearly stating to the public that you should not attend to your emergency department unless it's absolutely vital and available alternative services. If you have a sick child or an elderly sick relative, or, or a loved one that's taken ill in the middle of the night, what are you going to do? You're going to go to the closest emergency department you can get. No, I understand that as well, PJ, but I suppose what they need to be doing is looking at the presentation times during the day uh, when these services are open and available. And like I suppose there has been an increase in um, admissions for over 75s across all emergency departments. But I suppose that the solution here, it has to come not just from, from the, the local sites. They are trying to work within the confines of the resources that have been given. But you have to look at what the government's action uh, and mm. I suppose trying to deal with this problem. Yeah. This problem is going to only get worse. We're not even in November yet. We know I it's was, going to get worse. You anticipated that. I mean, we're, we're here at the end of just about coming up to the end of October now. We know that there's a flu season to come. We know that COVID will flare up again in the winter, as is its nature now. We know that December and January are rough on the front anyway. So if we're in 100 beds, if we have 100 people on trolleys on the 25th of October, God alone knows what we'll have in November, December and January. 
Yeah, I, I think, PJ, look, the government has responded to COVID-19 uh, in terms of a crisis emergency measure. And I think we're at that level in terms of our emergency departments. It's completely unacceptable to see people um, and, you know, the general public waiting this length of time to, to get a bed when they're very unwell. Um, it's the most vulnerable in society that are experiencing this. You know, the workers, the all health work, workers who are working in emergency departments know that this um, overcrowding is unsafe and they know it's unacceptable and that's why they're saying that conditions are intolerable and you know we've seen this over the last number of days now in the Mercy University Hospital where um, the, pace, the bed numbers and capacity is, has not dramatically changed and we see continuous overcrowding, sustained overcrowding over the last few days so you really need the um, intervention of the government to look at emergency beds, sourcing them from the private sector, private nursing homes yeah. and uh, maximising discharge packages well, to ensure people get, can be discharged uh, in a safe and effective manner. Yeah. We were but able we, to nail down a deal with the private sector at the start of COVID. We were able to do it in a few days. You're saying it may be time to do it again. Liam, uh, I, I'm sure you'll be familiar with the great Chris Luke. Um, a good friend of the show and I've spoken to him about this many times and the one thing he says and he speaks very highly of your members particularly the more advanced practitioners who really he always says the knowledge is there the skills are there to solve this problem would you agree with him? Well, 100% I think our members and other medical colleagues and other professionals all know what the solutions are here but there needs to be the funding and the, the action and the will to do it from a government uh, department level. Yeah. And it has to be led by the government because unfortunately the resources are not being provided to Mercy and that's where we've seen yeah. the, you know, that, that exacerbation of problems. Yes, the, the new build will open, PJ, and um, that will improve things over yes, the next number of weeks in the Mercy. But we, we have They'll to look fill up again though. Yeah, well, we have to look at Cork University Hospital as well, and we have to look at the, the likes of Kerry. You know, they they saw additional beds in the winter plans. They haven't been funded or provided. So, like, we are facing an extremely um, difficult winter for, for yeah. both the public and for staff in these departments. Lastly, Liam, and I've no doubt it'll happen at some point over the next few months, the Minister for Health will arrive at a hospital, and there won't be so much as a trolley to be seen and it'll all be spick and span and clean and shiny and the only thing you'll smell is paint and detergent and the minister will come in, shake appropriate hands, nod sweet and, and smile sweetly, make a speech and go home. That's got to drive, that's got to grind your gears. But it does, and I suppose, um, PJ, I think those days are, are slowly going because there's literally, there is no cupboards, there's nowhere to put these patients now. Yeah. That's how, how bad the overcrowding is. You don't want to hide them now, yeah. So, 100%. So, look, I think those those days are gone. I think, you know, the, the minister was in Galway last week and he, and he saw the, um, the emergency department in, in University Hospital Galway at 11 o'clock at night um, and an unannounced inspection and it was in its raw format. So... I suppose, look, they, they, they are aware of the problem and I suppose being aware of it is one thing but taking action, mm. action is another and I suppose, look, in Cork, the problem is, is absolutely desperate as we mm. speak today. He's a strange, he's a strange conundrum is, is Stephen Donnelly. In, in a previous life, he was, I think, a management consultant of, com, of some kind. Do, do you, as an, a senior official of your union, Liam, I don't know if you've met him or not or spoken to him, but I'm sure your colleagues have. Does he get it? Well, he's been to our co- a conference, uh, PJ, and he, he, he says he gets it. And I suppose, look, you know, everyone is judging their actions um, after that. And I suppose, look, what we'd be saying to the minister is he, he's been down in Cork most recently. He knows the problems. 
But, you know, you know, knowing the problems and taking action is another thing and needs to take action down in Cork because we know, you know, 70 on trolleys, it could be 80 tomorrow, depending on presentations yeah. today in Cork University Hospital. Um, and the university hasn't been able to source relief over the last number of days and they're desperately trying and we've been engaging continuously with the hospital management there. But they haven't been able to secure beds um, in the private sector today. So, you know, the, those high-level discussions with national officials from the HSC and with the government need to take place. All right. Leave it to All right, leave it there for today. Thank you very much, Liam Conway, uh, Industrial Relations Officer with the INMO. We have a hundred people. He gave me the numbers there. I didn't have them before he came on with me. I do now. We have a hundred people on trolleys this morning. PJ Coogan on the opinion line. Silver winner. Silver winner. Best news story at the Imro Radio Awards 2022. Corks 96 FM. Right, let us see if WhatsApp is back up and running. Kat, good morning to you. Good morning, PJ. How are you doing? Good, good. Now, you sent us this note wanting to open a discussion on the, the questions people are asked when they're looking to rent a place. And you had particular problem with being asked your nationality and how long you'd lived here. Yes, well, I don't mean to be rude pointing that thing out. It's just that I am originally from Poland. I've been living here more than 16 years at this stage. And I mean, like, at every stage of my life, I'm constantly being asked the same question, where are you from? I mean, like, even though I spent half of my life in here, I feel like I'm locker in here. And I believe I find Cork my real home mm-hmm. at this stage. It's just a big question that, you know, it just kind of, um, it lights it lights um, up in my head every time I hear it. It just doesn't make me feel welcome in here at some stages. And I mean, like, I don't mean to be rude or I don't mean, uh, um, I don't mean to brag about it. It's just one of the things that's literally in my face. And I mean, like, it shouldn't really matter when or where am I from. I could be local. I could be from um, the other side of the world. Mm-hmm. As long as I pay the rent on time, it shouldn't really matter, you know? Yeah, I mean, you're living here half your life. You're you're, you're local, cat. You just have a different <laughs> accent. Yeah, well, I feel like it. I mean, like, at this stage, Cork has been more my home than Poland has ever been. So, I mean, like, I'm not saying I'm not rejecting the fact that I'm from Poland because I'm very proud of it. Yeah, of it's just that the amount of life that I've spent living in here, going to school, going to college, now working, you know, it's just that this is my home, this is where I live. Yeah. You also have a difficulty with being asked about your salary uh, or being asked about whether you plan to have kids. And let's start with the first one. What you, I would have thought... And I'm just saying that I would have thought knowing your salary is reasonable because they're looking to know, can you actually pay the rent? Well, it could. But I mean, like, on the other hand, I mean, the tricky things that should really only matter to the landlord, homeowner or the agencies, would I pay the rent on time? Would the property be cared for? Or would there be no complaints from the neighborhood? Because I mean, like, Whatever I make shouldn't really make sense because when I'm hunting for a house, I only look for something that, you know, I can afford with my budget. I wouldn't be looking for anything over to price that I couldn't afford, you know. Yeah, yeah. So you're you're saying, look, once I match the rent that you're asking me from, it it doesn't matter what I earn, which is a a valid point. Do you plan to have children? No, I can't believe anyone has asked that. 
That's mad. I swear. Um, those questions came actually from private landlords. They didn't come through the agency. They came directly from the private landlords. Um, I've been asked that question specifically myself. Maybe ju- it's just because I'm a woman. My partner, whenever he rang regarding the house or apartment, you know, he was never asked that. But I was, and I feel like it shouldn't really matter because I believe like this is my very personal and private matter whether I plan to have kids or not. Do you feel that you're being judged by these questions, Kat? I do. I honestly do. Um, I feel like some some of the questions are very targeted and they are really judged. Because, I mean, like, um, do, I ha- do I plan to have kids? Okay, I understand they might worry about the fact that, oh, if I start a family, you know, like my, my budget is going to change. But then I wouldn't keep it a secret if that happens that I would become pregnant or anything. I would la- contact my landlord, yeah. let, them know, let them know about the changes in my circumstances or anything like that. But I would do it personally out of my own will, not that I am forced to answer those questions, you know. What about questions about your employer's name and address, whether you're employed full or part time and why why you have to move from your present place of residence? Um, Yes, I actually don't understand those questions. I mean, um, they could be curious where do I work? Um, they could be uh, they could be curious about my occupation. I understand this, but I mean, like wanting to know the exact address and the name of the employer. I mean, like I'm not applying for the job interview. If you know what I mean. I do. I do. I do. I do. I guess they're supposed not standing up for landlords, but they're not here to, to to defend it. I suppose they want to know the the profile of the individual to which they're renting their property. Oh, I absolutely agree with that. But I mean, like, there is so many better ways to to find that out. Like, um, a simple, um, a simple. Would you mind telling me a little bit about yourself? Yes. That that would allow me to share the information I would be comfortable with sharing, and it wouldn't make me feel targeted or judged. You know. I know. I know. What about the drinking and smoking? What about the, the pets questions? You've... Um, I understand the pets question because. Some pet owners, they, they, well, they let the uh, they let the pets literally wreck the place, mm-hmm. and I understand the worry about us. But I mean, like drinking and smoking, mm-hmm. I don't know where is that coming from. Yes. Like, I'm not smoking personally. I hardly ever drink. I don't even have time for it, even if I wanted to. It's getting more expensive, anyway. Like things like why, do you, <laughs> why, why do you have to move? That's none of their business. I would have thought. Yeah, uh, that's another question that I got from a private landlord, and I was surprised. Yeah. I mean, like it's like my uh, in my um, in my case personally, I don't have to move. I'm just living in a family home right now and I want to move out with my partner to, you know, yeah. to live um to live together in our own place. Yes. Yeah. Instead of sharing the house with the uh, with the whole family, you know. Yeah. But I mean like it shouldn't really matter whether I have to move or whether I want to move. Yeah. I'm looking for a house and that that's a period, you know. You wanted to start a conversation, Kat. I think you will have done that very successfully, particularly on and I and I, I have to say, I agree with you. You've been here, like you said, half your life. Um you ha- you're just you're as cork as the rest of us, except you have a different accent at this stage. So <laughs> I don't <laughs>
<laughs> I do, and I know that sometimes when I, especially when I'm stressed, I struggle to find some specific words. But I mean, this is my home. There you go. <laughs> you know. There you go, Cat. Listen, lovely talking to you, and. It, just opening a conversation on the questions people are being asked when they go trying to get a property to rent. Now, not related to this, but I guess, you know, you'll have been listening to Kat and if you've anything to say on what she's saying, Michael Paul, you can. Um, but Michael from Paul Properties, you're saying that the dysfunctional market, and that's how you described it, the dysfunctional and rental market is impacting the economy and stifling growth, the shortage of rentals is hurting everything and everybody, Michael. Morning. That's what you're saying. Peter, it is, it is indeed. Um, huge issue with of lack of supply. It's, it's chronic at the moment. Um, uh, huge issues with employers um, trying to source staff. I think every week I have three to four calls. I have one company where I'm trying to facilitate 72 employees coming in. Um, it's worrying mm-hmm. and even as of last night I was sitting down at home and I got a call off a principal of a school and she has um, a person attending the school's mother who's a nurse um, is facing homelessness uh, so it's absolutely chronic on all parties all stakeholders I suppose in the last in the last 10 years PJ there's been no private accommodation built in the city I think Lancaster Gate Upper Lane, uh, Rochelle, the, like the large events like Jacobs Island, Harties Key. Yeah. Every time I look, um, there seems to be buildings. Built, uh, yeah, but a lot, a lot of the new bills, and just to be clear, um, and there is a huge, like, don't get me wrong, there's a huge issue with homeless social social housing, um, but like the, the largest player in purchasing new homes is the state. They account for about seventy five percent of the purchasing, which is staggering. Wow. I don't think people know that. So the, the response to, like, to, to be honest, they don't get enough credit sometimes. And, and some people won't like what I'm saying. Um, but, like, it's not cost effective to build private apartments in the city. There's two sites in particular. One over in Horgan's Key has stopped. The former Sextant was another site located for private accommodation. They can't make the work. They can't make the figures stack uh, it makes no sense, but there, there's simple things what can be done. Like there's big talk of vacant properties, disused buildings. Uh, they're existing buildings, you know. Um, if they're not, if they're vacant over two years, they don't require planning permission. But the cost of doing them is just too expensive. Yeah. Um, they they need to bring in if they if they bring in a tax break. And let, let's 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 explain the tax break. The tax break would. Like a, a, uh, an individual generally pays 50% tax on rental income and a little bit higher, including UFC and charges. So if I'm getting a thousand euros, my tax bill is 500. So it's, it's not tax efficient. It doesn't make sense. Yeah. Um, so again, if I like any bit, like if you look at the South Mall, if you look at the, the offices, lo- a lot of disuse due to people want, people want modern office spaces. Yeah. Raise, and raise a lot of empty rooms upstairs. Loads of empty rooms. And, and Patrick Street. 
Loads of empty huge, space. Huge upstairs. amount of it. And look, we, we did a building ourselves. Um, we finished it probably about 19 months ago on the Grand Parade. We did five apartments. It was a disused building. Now, we paid under we paid around 200000 for it. We couldn't do that project today. Um, again, that was a, that was a listed building. Uh, grants grants have been more or less abolished for listing, listed buildings. And th- there, there's no help or no incentive yeah. um, for people to do these up. There's a point, we see so much student accommodation going up. Is there any yes. connection between the fact that there are tax advantages, shall um, we say, to building student accommodation? Is that why they're flying up? The student accommodation mainly has been bought by overseas funds. Um, there, there seems to be quite an appetite for that. Uh, majority of them are, 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 be, are being purchased um, by overseas funds. So there's, there's a big demand there. Obviously, there's an end user and there's one purchaser. So from a developer's point of view, it's very attractive. Um, they're not dealing with 50 individuals, 50 individuals buying. You know, um, another thing. Another thing I mentioned in the article, and it worked. This, this is this is this this has been proven back in 1994. They brought in a section 23 um, tax break. Even over the shop, wasn't it? Yeah, no, 23 was actually 23 and 27. And I, I don't know would you be familiar with the likes of Hanover Street with Salmon Weir, Fisherman's Wharf. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, Norkey Place. All of these were built on the on the back of tax breaks. I had friends who lived those, in those places. Yeah, yeah, and again, most of them, majority of them would be professional investors providing properties to the rental market. Like if that was if that was brought in, we'd have probably approximately five to six hundred landlords. I'd be very confident if that was brought in, we could sell a thousand units. Crazy. That's a thousand units into the market. But I think so. Like, so so in, incentives are needed to get incentives. To get, incentives to, are needed. It's 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 chronic. It's it's actually worrying. And the, the amount of people actually who've been issued with notices who are overholding, and that's no fault of their own. And overholding means that they continue to reside in the property. Uh, because they've been issued with notice quick because the landlord is selling or they, they want to, to go, to Michael. But, no but, and they, uh, yeah, and they continue to pay the rent, but, but they have no option. Yeah. You know, and I can't, I, you can't blame them for that. It's, you know. Right. For no reason other than that the, the, the clock is against me, I'll stop it there because there's a lot to be said. And look, landlords don't generally speak up. Um, they tend to run because they don't like being, well, they feel they get an unfair treatment and maybe they do. But there's a real lack of stuff to rent and Michael makes a lot of good points there about private rental. Back in the day you know all the areas he's talking about, there was massive tax incentives to build those and get them open and get them lived in. Those incentives are gone. The lines are live and we're ready to talk. Can we just talk? Call 0818 966966 Text or WhatsApp 083 396 Email opinion at 96fm.ie The Opinion Line with PJ Coogan On Cork's 96FM Do you remember I told you yesterday about Kian Ducrow and making it into the UK top 10 the first we've not been able to counteract this claim we've found nobody who got there before him first corkman ever to have a top 10 hit in the uk in the official chart i'll catch up with Kean a little bit later this hour he's made time for he's very busy he's touring at the moment a busy lad
we catch up with him. Good morning, 0818 96 96 96 is the number. The text and the WhatsApp now working again at 083 396 96 96. Your email is opinion at 96mm.ie. I also have a bunch of correspondence to catch up on from the last day or two. So we might take some time during this hour to just stop down and have a look at those. McCartan Street plans for accessibility, says Eddie, are shocking. And the city council are ignoring the concerns of advocates. This disabled bays outside Corner House being moved, for example, to Pine Street. Advocates have asked for maps to make submissions and suggestions. But uh, so far, nothing and plenty more to get to. But I want to talk to, to Kate. Uh, Kate, first of all, tell me, how, how is PJ? He's making a full recovery, I hope. Good morning. Morning, PJ. Yeah, we're, go- we're going to have uh, the battle of the PJs this morning, aren't we? Um, <laughs> yes. So, no, he's doing really well. He's Before we ever went away, he's up against it. He's been living with dementia for the last six years and he has pulmonary fibrosis and he has uh, stage four COPD and a lot of the other things that go with that. So yeah. he wasn't, you know, he, he's got enough going on before this ever happened. Yeah. So but he's doing well, as well as you could be. Your beloved partner of, of many years, of course. Yes. Um, you went off to Palma on holidays and you mm. had purchased travel insurance. So take it from I there. Had, yeah, we, we, we haven't been away like so many people for years. And, oh, you know, because he's so unwell, I, 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 it's, it's something I thought long and hard about. But, yeah, he loves the sun. And you can't, just because somebody's unwell and they're a bit older, you can't write them off. Mm. So... I thought long and hard about it, got onto a, a good local travel agent and booked a downstairs room, all inclusive, got the, the help through the airport with the wheelchair. And and then very importantly, I took out travel insurance. And I think I paid, we paid 80 euro. This is just for a few days now that uh, we paid 80 euro for the policy, plus add-ons then because we took what's called a medical extension. If you have more than one diagnosis, you need to ring the company and go through everything that's wrong with you um, just to make sure you're you're fully insured. So we did that. Um, so, so far, so good. We, we I spent, I think the, the phone call was 15 minutes. I had a full list of everything that was, I wouldn't say wrong with him, everything that he suffers from and all his medication. So I gave them that before I ever finished booking the holiday just to be sure we were covered. So it wasn't, this wasn't just... Um, an add-on or it wasn't just a casual insurance it was something we took really seriously it's a special policy almost almost a yes. bespoke policy to cover absolutely right. yeah yeah it cost you a few quid yeah. then yes it did yeah it did but you know i said we were you know and i was kind of joking <laughs> somebody before we went i went well if all else fails there's always the kevin bell trust you know and oh god did i eat my words but anyway mm. um so off we went and all well and good got the the wheelchair in cork airport something we'd never done before and got lifted on and off of the plane so so far so good we land in palmer we go to this this lovely little hotel and uh, he probably wasn't terribly well but you know, it's hard to tell with dementia. P- PJ can't really advocate for himself. You know, you, you might say, say, um, are you feeling all right? And he'll look at you and he'll say, am I? You know, so that's, so it's quite hard to tell. But we were only there a few days and, and I woke up in the middle of the night and he'd been unwell. He'd been vomiting, which he never does. So as I went to kind of sort him out, I realised how hot he was, called a doctor, long story short, they called an ambulance 
and he was very, very unwell. And so, of course, one of the first questions they asked the young doctor who came just said, the young doctor, they're all young to me, um, <laughs> said, do you have health insurance? So I did. And I had my documents ready. I printed them out before we went. I'd got a full list of his drugs. I got everything that I thought they might need for, for him to have a good outcome. So he needed oxygen. Um he had, as it turned out, blood poisoning and septicemia, and okay. um, which was quite scary because that kills 11 million people worldwide. That's right. um, people, yeah, people like you and I who would be in in good health, if you like. So the ambulance came, great service, and I mean, I'm very grateful listening to the radio this morning about the people on trolleys. I'm not sure if his outcome would have been as good because we were taken straight into this super hospital in Palmer. I know the one you're talking about, actually. I read about it. Oh, I know it. It's a fine, oh, fine hospital. Kieran well, Salud, it's a fabulous hospital. Well, actually, when you were talking about things being civilised earlier, too, about the Europeans, um, as his companion, I was offered wine with my dinner. But anyway, that's a different story for a different day. Um, so that's, that's what the hospital was like. So he was treated immediately. And I, I genuinely believe, had we not been there at that time, I don't think he'd have survived because, as it turned out, he had pneumonia, too. Oh so for somebody who's got very, very limited lung capacity, both yeah. septicemia and pneumonia, are, they're obviously killers. So that was brilliant. Brilliant. So we were admitted on September the 21st and eight days later, it took them eight days to bring him back to any kind of level of health. So that'll tell you how mm. unwell he was. Um, the doctor said, um, look, we, you're gonna have, you can start now to think about repatriation. It's going to take a few days because obviously he'll need to travel with a medical person with oxygen and you can get onto the insurance company. And I'd spoken with them on the first day and said, look, this is where we are. This And they were really good. Yeah, that's fine. Do you need anything else? Do you need to stay in a hotel? And I didn't. I stayed with him for obvious reasons. Mm. And so it wasn't like we were trying to take advantage. We'd, we didn't claim for one meal, one anything. You know, we would, we just wanted the, the medical bills covered. So I rang them and on, I think, day eight or nine and said, look, the doctor has said that we can start to think about coming home, but we're going to need help. We're going to need medical. We're going to need oxygen. And that was fine. And within about two hours, an email came into my inbox that said, um, you never declared that he only has one kidney. Um, is there a reason for this? And my blood ran cold. PJ had had a kidney removed four decades ago, right. which had no bearing, obviously, on, on anything he got. But I hadn't declared it because I've never known him with it. it it's... Yes. So anyway, I kind of... He has one kidney, I'd say, Kate, since before you know him. Oh, God, yeah, yeah. I was going to need it from before I was born, I'd say, PJ. But, and so I, I just, I said, I didn't realise I was meant to. I, I said, if he'd only got one eye, I probably wouldn't have told you that either. And so, anyway, for three days, this came back and forward. And bear in mind at this stage, you're running up a bill of over €600 Euro a night just for the room, plus everything that they do for you, obviously. And so at this stage, I'm not sure if the bill is covered. And we've got a bill of, I think it was 15,600 at that stage. So for three days, they're back and forth and they're ringing me. I'm ringing them and saying, is this sorted yet? And doing a bit of digging around in the meantime, and apparently there's a moratorium. They can only go back so far on your non-relevant medical history. Yeah. And I'd been onto my solicitor at home, who's a friend of mine, and he said, send me the policy. But actually, I was so scared, I didn't dare send it to him in case he said, you've really messed this up. So I just, I didn't. And after three days, they came back and they went, actually, you're quite right. There is a moratorium. The kidney, we can't. Um, but you never told us he's got a catheter. And I said, well, I, I told you what had led to the catheter, as in the medical condition. Yes. I said, to me, that would be like saying he's got a cast rather than a broken leg. Um, and they went, oh, no, 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 you should have said it. So oh. I was kind of, and I, and I was saying, did I, did I not? Anyway. They were looking for a way out of passed. this bill. 
Oh, yeah, this I'm actually worried sick because the bill is going up. I can't leave the hospital because he's oxygen dependent. Hang on, you're so still there, like, Kate? Oh, yeah, we're still in the hospital. You're still in Palma? Yeah. Oh, I didn't know oh yeah, that. yeah, we I were there. We were in hospital for 18 days. And you're still there? No, God, no, 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 no. Sorry, we're back. Well, that's all right. I was getting worried yeah. about you for a second. God, yeah, yeah, yeah. No, no, the wine was good, but not good enough to keep there for that length of time. So, no, so another three days then... Um, they, they came back and forth about the catheter. They listened to the call because they tape all the calls, which is super. Um, and they actually listened back to the call. And I had mentioned the catheter, as it turned out. But then it also turned out not to be relevant. So she'd been saying all along, she said, look, as soon as the catheter is cleared, that's fine. The bill is, is sorted and you can go. And so that's all well and good. And she said, but then we will start looking at repatriation. And that will take some time. And bear in mind, there's only three flights from Palmer to Cork. We couldn't really fly into another airport because the journey by road would have been too much from on top of the flight and everything yeah. else. Plus and you had to get an ambulance for that, I suppose. Well, this is it. And, and also, you know, if someone invites you for Christmas, as I said to the doctor, I feel like you invited us for Christmas Day and it's kind of epiphany and we're still sitting here, you know, and he went, oh, we don't mind. And of course they didn't, both on a human level, but also because they're getting paid anyway. Yeah. Um, but they so are brilliant they in anyway. fairness and over there. They're oh, magnificent. God, PJ. They were just, I mean, he's, he's diabetic. So before every meal, they'd come in an hour before and they'd take his glucose levels. And that's how they decided what to feed him then for his breakfast, mm-hmm. lunch or dinner. It was all curated to where his glucose levels were, to whatever his weight was. It was, I, I've, I've never seen anything like this before. And um, and so look, then they came back, they said, You're, yeah, the catheter, that's right. It's not a medical. And so, and then they said, but you never told us he's got ischemic heart disease. And at that stage, I just, I literally cried into the phone. He doesn't. What he has is small vessel ischemia, which is the medical name or one of the medical names for vascular dementia, which obviously is his primary yes. um, condition. And um, I just said to them, I said, you, you know, I said, really, you're despicable. You're just going to keep going down to his toenails until you find a reason not to pay for this. I said, I'm going home. I'm taking him home. And they went, oh, you can't. How are you going to get him home? I said, just don't don't even pretend you're interested in how I get him home because you're not interested in him anyway. You're only interested in the money. Now, th- these are grand words. You can't leave the hospital without paying at least half. So I went down to the accounts department and said, right, what do we owe? So it was above 20,000. So I'm looking at the credit cards and the wallets and it's kind of saying, OK, right, we can we can wing this. And I'm trying to book a flight then through the travel agent at home, hoping that I'm not stopped Yeah, have you called Kate at any point? Have you called your travel agent at this stage? I had. I called them actually after about six days and, and said and sung the praises of the health insurance people so highly and said, I can't believe how good this is, that all I've got to concentrate is, is, is PJ and his ill health, that I can just concentrate fully on him and I don't have to worry about anything else. I said, thank you so much. This is just brilliant. And um, and they were, they were good because they had phoned me on the first day. Obviously, I'd sent them an email because we'd left the hotel and I'd had to leave our luggage behind. But I mean, we got that up by taxi. We didn't, you know, we, we didn't ask anybody for anything really only only what we thought we were covered for but they were good but i think i don't think i don't think the underwriters are interested in them either i don't mm. i don't think they're, they're interested in that we don't exist pj we're just a commodity to be bought and sold you know mm-hmm. that that's the risk and yeah. Yeah, tends, one... it tends to be with insurance and I, I speak across the board here the the job of the underwriter mm. is to find a way not to pay if you ask well, me. I think, you know, I mean, they kept us in the hospital for, for nearly a full week. Now, he, he was in his own room, but 
but like nobody medically vulnerable should be in hospital because there's too many hospital acquired infections with the best will in the world and the best treatment and hygiene. Um, and like in, in monetary terms, they kept us there nearly 6,000 euros too, too long. And like it was like query the body part, you know, it's like that little game yeah. where you pull it out. They were just he was still there. everything. He and was given was, the all clear to go home, but eight days later, he was still in the hospital. Yeah, and more to the point, they hadn't even started organising repatriation. So you probably got another week on top of that. So I did ring the Department of Foreign Affairs because I didn't know what to do. And um, I just rang. The, I got this lovely woman. I said, what am I going to do? I can't get home. And she said, don't worry. You're not on your own. This happens. I won't tell you what she said about insurance companies. But she did say, you know, they should be there to protect you when you're, you're most vulnerable. And she said, in my experience... They're doing exactly the opposite. And I didn't feel I was the first call she got about this, probably not even the same day. And she said, we can repatriate you. I've got a very good contact at the HSE. We will sort you out, but that will be another two weeks. And and at this stage, I'm just going, you know, I just wanted to get him home. Um, he was tired. He'd gone through an awful ordeal. And I was really grateful he was doing so well, but I just needed to get him home. Yeah. So I booked the flights through the travel agent and I just said, you know what, it, we'll go. He, his oxygen levels were improved to the extent that I'd said to the doctor, look, I know medically you might not sign him off, but as a person, would you take him on a flight? And he went, yeah. So I said, OK, that's good enough for me. All the airlines carry oxygen anyway. And I said, if all comes to all, I know enough that I could have yeah, <laughs> done something I think and um, so that's what we did we, we just we, we came home and it was only the morning before we were leaving at 7 o'clock on, on the morning we left and it was 10 o'clock the previous morning that I got a phone call from the accounts department in the hotel in the hospital who were really good and they were they were whooping for joy for me to be fair and uh, that they finally got the letter that said they were covering the, the bill so okay. it was just, it was just so stressful. And I mean, poor old PJ, he, it, he's sitting there not knowing what's going on. Could you imagine if you hadn't got somebody with you to advocate for you? I know, and you I know. God Almighty, and, and someone like yourself. As a, and then you discovered, did you know about the EHIC? Do you know what? We, we have the cards, right? Because I'm, I'm quite boring like that. If, if they tell you to take something with you, I take it. And I had that. And, but it never, I think once you say to them, if you, if, if, if you call an ambulance or if you call a doctor when you're aboard, they're going to ask you if you've got insurance. And if if you say you do, they're going to take you to the private hospital because I suppose it's business and that's absolutely fine. Oh, if I had my time over, I mean, I was over, you know where we were. Across the flyover from there is the, this, the public hospital. I know it well. And I, I know Panama yeah, very well. I know, the, I, I know well, the two hospitals. Not that I've ever been there, but I just, I have a fascination with yeah. hospitals abroad. And they're two bloody fine hospitals, like. You see, this is it. I mean, I, I, I'm not, I don't care whether it's private or public. I'm grateful for healthcare wherever we can get it. I'd have very happily gone into to the public hospital if I'd have known. Um, but, you know, it's also the same dilemma. You know, when you go into see. H and I did a small procedure there recently and I have health cover. I'm lucky enough to have private health cover. And she said, do you want to use it? And I, I, I tend to because rather than take money out of the health service, you'd nearly rather take it out of business, wouldn't you? Because we're so anxious not to take sure. money unnecessarily out of anybody's health service, sure. Spanish one or our own. So if you have cover, I kind of feel, well, look, business is paying for it then rather than yeah. A creaking health service, which is drowning on the volume. Can I ask, Kate, look after. do you have, or does PJ have VHI or Leia or any of those no. things? No. Okay. No, he got rid of that a few years ago. And actually, at this stage of life, 
because despite the trolleys and despite everything else, the health cover for people critically ill and chronically ill in this country is really good. Like, you might not have the bells and whistles, right? You certainly won't get wine with your dinner. But the doctors, the nurses, the staff, um, I mean, CUH is... Uh, and I know people will laugh when we talk about when when you're just having heard the trials, but it is a centre of excellence it in is. terms it of is. No, no, the treatment you get. We can't get. say and that often enough, actually, Kate. We can't say no, that often. No, and, and I'm really grateful for that, that we can just turn up. And I mean, this is a lesson to all of us, too, for all our complaints. I've never, um, and PJ's obviously in that hospital quite a bit, I've never been asked for money. I've never been asked for anything. Yeah. So we need to keep that in mind, too. You know, I suppose it, it's it's a, a be grateful for what we've got, too. Mm. It mightn't be perfect. And but if you'd had, if you'd used your EHIC, your European Health Insurance card, if you'd given that to the ambulance people mm. that night, what would have been different? I wouldn't be on the phone to you now. <laughs> would all be sorted? We'd have been treated just as well. Um I, you know, he'd probably been in a ward rather than a private room, which is fine. I mean, that doesn't matter. I was beside him anyway, so it made no difference. Right. Um, I don't mind a ward because like, I'm really not interested in those things. It's the medical care. It's, and I would imagine we'd have got just as good care, to be it's, honest. It's funny, you. you know, it's a salutary lesson because... Isn't it? For, for years, when I'm travelling, I, I purchase travel insurance for us all. And we have VHI. And when you combine the two... It's very mm. good cover. But I'll tell you one thing I'll be doing, Kate. I'll be sending away from yeah. my EHIC. Absolutely. Oh, I do. Will. I mean, everybody, get it. You get your little credit card, take it with you, and you're covered anywhere in Europe. You can just walk into to the hospital, you show your card, yeah. and nobody will ask you for any money, and the care will be absolutely superb. Okay. All right. Listen, pass, pass on my regards to him, won't you, Kate? I will, of course. And thank you. Thank you very much for that. I hope uh, one or two people pick up a card out of it, if nothing else. Absolutely. Kate Joanne, thank you very much. And my regards to, to PJ, who has a number of different uh, ongoing uh, conditions. Yeah, we, we've done this medical insurance or travel insurance thing to death on the programme over the years. That if you buy travel insurance, which you should do, and if you have health insurance here like VHI or Leia, there is a very good package there. But uh, the EHIC is free. It takes forever to come through. So if you want to kind of order one and apply for one, you should probably be doing it now with a view to next year. But if you are in the in Europe or the general area of Europe and you get sick and you show this EHIC to an ambulance crew, whew, you'll fly through the public system. And their public systems would put our public systems to shame. Thanks, Kate. Oh, eight, the, the bill's covered at least. 0818 96, 96, 96 on the hospital bed situation. If the minister had a fall outside the mercy, would he have to wait on a trolley? Asks Kate. Great question. We need to look at more home care options for the elderly so that hospital beds are freed up and our elderly leave hospital earlier to get better care in a home setting. That's true. That's very true. On the opening hours of pubs and clubs, where will people get money to stay out till 6am drinking? This is not a good idea. Irish people are not good with drink. Well, when you run out of money, you go home. Just because the place is... I've been saying this for years, and again, I'm, I'm happy to have this discussion with anybody. Just because the place is open until half two or open until 5 o'clock. Doesn't mean you have to stay there. No one's going to chain your ass to the desk and make you stay there and keep you drinking. Go home if you want to. 
It's just open if someone else wants to stay. Oh wait, one eight ninety six ninety six ninety six. We got a red carpet exclusive. Crossy was in London hanging out with Brendan Gleeson and Colin Farrell. That's easy. Well, I know he's Irish and I know I'm Irish. And yeah. so, I mean, what you're trying to do is we come out there to sell the film. Like, it hasn't been sponsored by Borough Fodger, so anything that we're saying is true. Do you know, uh, when, when Colin Farrell gets a movie script and his agent is negotiating deals, it's X amount of millions for Colin mm-hmm. and then it's a million each for both of his eyebrows. Is this, did you know that? Did their own representation do they, they have their own representation if you want Colin's eyebrows and they also have separate representation yeah. so if you can't do the deal with both of them you could only get Colin Farrell with one eyebrow incredible Casey and Ross in the morning getting to gear for 2023 with No DC Cars Blackpool Skoda's sales dealer of the year open 24-7 at NoDC.com Quartz 96 FM yeah this conversation has gone on about the extension to the licensing laws and all of that and um, the Minister for Justice bringing those changes to Cabinet today which will apply, they think, from 2023 which means pubs open from 10.30am to half past midnight, seven nights which means Sunday closing, early closing on Sundays is gone the late bar will be open till half two and I think they can open seven nights if they have a late licence nightclubs can serve until five and stay open until six Again, they don't have to, but they can if they want to. And we're getting some reaction to that during the morning. And then yesterday I was talking to Michael Donovan from the Castle Inn about the pubs and how they've had it rough and they're hoping for a good jazz weekend and a good Christmas. And Michael was asking people to be nice to the staff over the course of the jazz weekend. And then we had the other story at the weekend where one or two pubs are putting up signs now, please not to bring in your own booze in a handbag, in a cough bottle, please don't, please don't. And they were looking for legal advice yesterday, the VFI was, as to whether or not they could search bags, because it's not always the best advice. Uh, We had this message then, publicans only care about their till. Full stop. Money, money. Greed, greed. Jamming as many people as they can into their venues. Do they not have any restriction on numbers these days? Definitely those restrictions not being obeyed. My kids have left early many nights recently. After two years of COVID, they weren't able to enjoy their college life, but they left early because they couldn't breathe. They were crammed into places. Greed, greed, greed. Heaven help if there was a dreadful disaster. I don't even want to think about it. That's from Rachel, which is another take on it. Now, getting back to Kat and the questions about potential renters. Kat was particularly upset that she was being asked where she was from. Kat is Polish, but she's been living here for more than half her life. And she felt there was something racist in asking her where she was from. Do you agree, Kevin? Morning. Well, there's definitely undertones of it, isn't there? Because it makes no odds as to where she's from if she wants to rent a property. There's an awful lot of the questions that she was asked there. And you have to put it into context of if that was an employer asking a potential employee these questions, what would, what would happen? You leave the interview and you complain. The problem is someone who's looking for a place to live doesn't have that luxury of complaining because, who are they, one, who are they going to complain to? And and two, they're in a, usually you, you're looking for a place to rent or looking for a place to move because you, you're going to be homeless if you don't. Yes. So that is a massive abuse of power, really. 
that um, a, a landlord potentially has over his tenant. And you've seen in recent cases where um, everything and anything has been thrown. Or, as, you know, landlords have been accused of offering... It's uncomfortable to say, you know, it's yeah. sexual favours. The story yeah. that went around about that, the, and I and I'd imagine that that's which, a lot. Which bizarrely, Kevin, is still not illegal. And I would imagine it's a lot more widespread than we're comfortable talking about. Now I know um, that the minister is working on 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 legislation to make it illegal, yeah. but you'd kind of wonder why it's not anyway. But the scary thing for all of this is, look, I've been home 12 years, OK? In those 12 years, every election has been fought on health and housing. Here you are this morning talking about a trolley crisis in Cork and a housing crisis that has been exposed by an increase of a 1% population from refugees coming in from U- Ukraine. That's all that Ukrainian uh, refugee crisis has done, is exposed how tight we are for housing and for housing stock. And I've been saying it to a blue in the face. I think every phone in you've done on it, people have been saying, we need volume. And we've needed to build volume for the last decade. And we have, this is the result of a lost decade of building. Yeah. And we're no further on from it. And unless someone decides to make this a real priority, then we'll be looking at another 10 years' time thinking, right. how the hell do we get to where we, they, are, where they we are, are now? They are building, but not enough and not, not fast nowhere enough. Near. Yeah. Nowhere near enough. And we haven't been doing it for long enough. You look at the last time with COVID as well, it all adds up. Yeah. You imagine the amount of people who finished college during the COVID years, they're now looking for places of their own. They're looking to go into the employment market. They can't afford to live in Dublin and Cork and Limerick and Galway because the amount of properties that should have been built in that time in the two years, they're now stuck. And you're, you're two years behind just from standing still. That doesn't include the lack of housing that was there for the previous eight years before. Yeah. You know, and... You have massive, you have big, huge companies in Cork screaming out for housing because they want to employ more people. Kevin, you have have companies offering, and I've heard about this, and I've spoken to someone off air who declined to come on air, someone offering a six-figure salary to a particular person, an Irishman, Corkman actually, who's earning that salary in Glasgow, and he wants to bring him home and employ him here. And your man's saying, sorry, I'm not going anywhere. Where am I going to live? It's a scan. It's ridiculous. And the thing is, no matter which way you dress this up, this has been coming and building for a long time. And the latest, where we are today, has just been exposed by a small influx of people from a crisis for a crisis. And what do you make of that that point that I was raising earlier on, Kevin? Briefly, that you know, the half the cabinet met yesterday, rightly so, to address. A horrible situation for the Ukrainian refugees. Did half the cabinet ever meet to address the situation for the three poor buggers I saw on Patrick Street this morning? No, and do you know why? Uh, Look, my impression is the the eyes of the international community are on European countries, how they respond to the crisis in Ukraine. And let's not forget, Russia are laying the groundwork now for a potential nuclear strike in Ukraine with this talk of dirty bombs and what have you. So... It's not as if they're fleeing for no good reason. Nobody flees their home unless they're terrified. But the eyes of the world aren't on Ireland for their homelessness crisis. And we're just like sheep in a lot of ways. We vote the same way. We've been doing it for 100 years. And we're terrified of change. So when nobody's watching, you can get away with a lot of stuff. But when it comes to Ukraine, the crisis... 
eyes of the rest of Europe are on each individual countries as to what they're doing. I mean, the UK has taken 0.2% of the refugees of this crisis. And, and that's Ireland's why that's more. why half the cabinet met last night. And exactly. as I, as that's I, my, my take on it. I think anyway. you're probably right, Kev. As I was walking up Patrick Street this morning, and on quite a nice morning I was, I was listening to the morning news on my earphones as I came up and they were talking about that cabinet meeting last night and I counted three lads yeah. in doorways and I said where was their cabinet meeting? We've been saying it to a blue in the face mate yeah, and absolutely. what can you do? I mean I, if I go on a complete rant I'll just keep going. You, 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 got, you got better people to meet to talk to. Me. Kev, great, day, great to catch up, fella. See you, bud. Take care. Thanks a lot. Bye bye. Oh eight one eight ninety six ninety six ninety six. Now on tipping, April, you're with me. The server should get the money. Morning. Morning, PJ. How are you? Hi. Do you agree Good. the server should get it? Well, to be honest, PJ, like yourself, I would much rather tip the server. Um, especially if they're after doing a good job. Um, for instance, we were at a restaurant, um, myself and a few friends during the summer, and like that, we said we'd tip the young fella because, in fairness, you know, he did a great job and felt I felt, you know, we'd give it to him. So one of the girls said, look, um, as far as I know, it has to go into the jar. So I said, no, no, never mind that. I'd much rather give it to the service. So I chased after him. And I said to him, thanks very much for today. Put that into your pocket. Mm-hmm. And he said, um, oh, no. He said, we have to put it into the jar here. So I said, no, never mind that. I said, that's for you. Put it into your pocket. So I'm just wondering, like, regarding the restaurants and the bars, do they have the right to put this policy in place? And as a paying customer, do I have the right, we say, to override it? Mm. You know, it's something you know? that a, it's something that an employment lawyer might have a take on with regard to tipping. Yeah, like I, I'm just wondering what what is the ruling, and you know, um, like even a friend of mine there now worked in a bar for a few years a few years ago, and the policy in that bar was that all staff was to put the tips into a jar. Mm. Fair enough, which she did, and they all did. And she never saw one penny of that tip jar. Now, Paul Trevo in uh, Killarney was on with me last week talking about tips, and I asked him about tips, and he said Uh in his restaurant, everything goes into a tip jar and everything is held to account, but on your day off, you still get a slice of the tips that came in. I heard that too, PJ, yeah, and I think that's very fair. You know, I do think it's very fair, but if if the paying customer feels that the server should get the tip... There you go then I think they should absolutely have the right so to no, take it. run your tip system, whatever way you want, as long as it's legal. But if I want to give the person who served me a tender for themselves, they should be yeah. entitled to take it. Absolutely should be, yeah. That's the way I think it should be. Now, I don't know what's right and what's wrong or yeah. what is the policy and do they have the right to do a policy as in to say all staff tips must go into a jar. I don't know. But I think definitely if you want to tip the server on the day, then you know, they should have every right to put it into their own pocket. Absolutely. April, cheers. Good call. Thank you. 0818969696. I wonder what is the law? Um, the man I might ask on this is suffering a bit with his voice at the moment, although he's still, he's still doing his videos all day, every day. Richard Grogan. Um, he'd know this one inside out and sideways, the law on tipping. We might check it in with him when his voice is, is, is better. Uh, but I wonder what the law is with regard to tipping. Do you have an entitlement to 
I'm like, okay, if I give you a tenner and it goes into your pocket, it's your money, you haven't paid tax on it. There's probably all that crack. But I wonder what the law is with regard to, to tipping and tipping of staff. There's a, probably a, a whole discussion in it. PJ Coogan on the opinion line. Silver winner. Silver winner. Best news story at the Imro Radio Awards 2022. Corks 96 FM. Now, the first Corkman ever to make it to the UK official top 10. Kendra Crow, when we spoke during uh, lockdown, you were TikToking like mad. And you were based in London and working with this and that and the other and just hoping to make the break. You're in the top ten with the song called All For You. How's it going, fella? Very good, thank you. How, how are does, you? How does it feel to open up the chart and say, there's my song in the top ten? Um, you know what, I think it's more about what, uh, what, that, what that means away from the charts and what it means when you go out on stage and people sing your song back to you and you know that kind of I think you always wonder what it, what numbers kind of represent and like you get these numbers and you get these these things and they kind of don't really make any sense when they happen until you go out into an audience and you see like whatever it is, hundreds or thousands of people singing the song and you're like, oh, that's what it means. <laughs> you know, they know the song. And when you were there in your bedroom writing music and learning to play and dreaming of this day, what's a, what a return. Yeah, it's mad. I mean, you never really, you, you sort of always hope of it and you, you dream and you, you work as hard as you can, obviously, and like, but I think you never sort of, you never really think that these things are, you know, going to happen. Although you have to believe they will, yeah. but it's just, yeah, yeah it's, it's just okay. crazy, really, when it when it does happen. Tell me about all for you. When when did you write it, and how did Ella Henderson become involved? Because it's a stormer of a tune, kid. Thank you. Um, I think I wrote it about, I think I wrote it in January, I feel. Mm -hmm. Um, So not that long ago, January or, yeah, I think it was about about that time anyway. Um, And then I think it was quite quick by the time we we, we put it out a few months after that. Um, And Ella Henderson got involved because she had been, from what from what I know anyway, this is from her story. Uh she had been kind of following along with me um on TikTok, I think. And which I didn't like know that she was mm. following what I was doing. Um and then she asked I think she heard the song and then she heard it again on the violin and we were um she was going on her tour, which we're currently on now, and she was uh obviously looking for an opening act and she asked her team if they could ask mine if we if we would do the opening act. Mm-hmm. Um, and obviously I said yes. And um, that was really cool. And then just kind of within a few sort of days, really, or weeks of that, um, she just was like, I think she just really liked uh, the song All For You. Um, mm-hmm. And so she reached out and, and was like, would you like to do, she just kind of was like, she, she was really like down to do a version like with her as a duet. 
Yeah. And obviously like that was like a really cool thing. And I of course said, yes. So we kind of got on the phone and we chatted a bit and we spoke about the song. We spoke about um, just like what it meant to me and what it meant to her. And then uh, a couple of days later we got in the studio and uh, we wrote her part for the song and, uh, and yeah, we recorded it and then we put it out. It's, 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 it's a very raw emotional song. Yeah, and the production absolutely. is gorgeous on it. Again. Thank you. Yeah, it's very. Um, I guess it's quite minimal, you know. Like it's just like, it's just. I think I I was at a, in a place where I realized that like more than often less is a lot more, you know. Mm. And uh, I kind of had noticed. Funnily enough, I had noticed through TikTok again. Um, you know, people will slay TikTok a lot, but I noticed that the listeners and the audience, and this is something that I feel as well, but you don't really know if, how other people feel about it and how the majority of, of listeners and fans and, and random people on the internet that will stumble across music. But I started to notice that they were much, much more interested in uh, stripped back music, mm-hmm. like music where you just had the the vocal of the singer Um especially for like emotional stuff. Yeah. They wanted like nothing to get in the way. Yeah. And I had noticed people putting music out like that, that people were waiting for. And then they put too much in there and they got in the way and yeah. the, the audience were really disappointed. Yeah. The days of the and overproduced so, power ballad are gone. It's, it's now strip yeah. it back to its basics and just give us the best of what you got. Yeah, uh, absolutely. Yeah. And, and that's, just, that's, a great way. that's what you've done here. It's, 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 I mean, I'm, I'm, Production and how a song is produced is a big thing in my in all my years involved with music and entertainment. But you've it's it's a perfection because it's so understated. It really is good. You're always saying on TikTok too that it's a great platform for people to get themselves discovered. Yeah, a hundred percent. You know, it's uh, I think it gives the underdog a chance, mm. um, and I think for I've seen it with obviously with myself and with a lot of other friends of mine, there's a kind of thing in the music industry where you have the industry babies, uh, like we like to call them, where they kind of, um, which is like nothing against them, it just happens to be where they kind of fall in or where they get picked up along the way, but they get kind of picked up extremely early in their careers um, by, you know, maybe a big manager or a big yeah. something or along, and they'll get kind of massive favoritism. And when it comes to basically everything, you know, they'll get like priority on, on, on Spotify and on all the streaming platforms and on radio and, and they'll kind of have that for a very long time. And it'll be all the chat about them and all the hype about these industry babies, as we like to call them. Um, and I think for a lot of people, um, you know, when you're not an industry baby, no one cares and no one listens and no one wants to help you out. No one wants to jump on board. Nobody wants to give you the playlist. Nobody wants to put you on the radio. Like no one really is uh, sort of looking out for you, you know? And so I think when you have something like TikTok, you kind of have this opportunity to, to remove yourself from like the grips of the music industry and just create something for yourself. Which is exactly exactly what happened for you because the stuff you did during during lockdown is all paying off now. And you need time to play the song again, so we'll talk again sometime soon. But the video is marvelous. Lastly, the video is brilliant. Thank you very much. Yeah, shot in Cork. Yeah, shot in the north side. Better again. Absolutely better again. Yeah. When will you get home, Kian? Will we? Will you be home any anytime soon? 
Um, uh, yeah, I'm home in December actually to play uh, in City Hall with the Cork Youth Orchestra, and I'm also home in March to play um, two nights at uh, Cypress Avenue and uh, playing in two nights as well at the Academy in Dublin and a bunch of other shows around around Ireland in that tour. Right. Um, but well, I'm you, sure you, you might find time to pop into me, would you? Absolutely, we'd love would, to. Would you come in and sing it for me? I'll come in and sing it for you. I'd love that. Kian, continued success with all for you. Kian Drew Crow, first Corkman ever to make the top ten. Not because he's just been on the show and will hopefully come in at Christmas and sing that song for us live. Not because of that, but because it is. That's my record of the pop year. That's a stormer. Kian Drew Crow and Ella Henderson and all for you. Our winner today with... Where are we? With uh, Cork Dental Care. Our winner is Lisa O'Mahony from Fair Hill. That, of course, that wonderful voice. Yeah, I'd say our Lord is up there now, looking down on the world, thinking the floods and the family. Siobhan McSweeney playing sister and sister Michael in Derry Girls. You've got the Philips Zoom Home Whitening Kit, Lisa, and well done to you. That's it. We're going to be overtime, but who cares? We just played the best pop song of the year. Thanks, Neymar. Thanks, Fergal. Talk to you tomorrow just after nine. The Opinion Line on Cork's 96FM. Hear the full show on our app, by podcast or on 96FM.ie.